Hey everybody, welcome to America's Game, episode number 37. I am your host once again, Eric Vanek, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, what is going on, man? Eric, what's going on, my friend? Glad to be back. Uh, episode 37, it's amazing. We are almost through three-fourths of a calendar year of America's Games. Two more. We'll get there. 39 would be uh, three-fourths of a year if we did one every single week, which I don't believe we have missed a week yet. I've missed one show when I was holding out, and you filled very admirably with your Combine recap show. But, uh, yeah, good time. We're absolutely crushing these USFFL drafts. Uh, Shout-out to anybody that has participated thus far. Get a lot of inquiries about how can I join one. Um, I'll start taking another list, so just message me if you want to get into one. They're evolving now with the pipeline variation that I'm sure we'll talk about more going forward. The first pipeline league kicks off next week, uh, so that should be fun. So things are good, my friend. Yeah, I'm excited for the pipeline league. I kind of want to um, make sure we run it smoothly first and get all the kinks out of it because it's a like if we thought if you thought the USFFL had a lot to it. You know, there's even more to the pipeline to understand because now you're trying to understand the pipeline stuff on top of if you've never done any of the USFFL stuff, you got to learn that too. So it is a lot. That's the unfortunate part. But once you get the hang of it and you know the rules, it's a lot of fun. Like uh, Scott said, we're doing one right now um, with some of the Heisman tier members and we're going to transfer it over to Sleeper and it's going, it's going really good. Uh, the auction has been really fun. A lot of interesting strategies going on right now, all the way up to the very last round. This is our first USFFL where the wild card or the uh, 10th round draft picks and like the two quarterback rounds came at like within the last four rounds. So absolutely crazy how the rounds fell in this one. Probably one of the most unique ones so far just based off of that. So it's been a lot of fun, man. I, I've been excited about it. Yeah, definitely. If you're looking for content on auction strategy, I mean, quite frankly, there's a lot of auction strategy podcasts that have been done in the past, uh, but none of it really can do justice. True auction strategy when you're dealing with a set of parameters that is more than just, okay, here are the players that are up. Here's the budget that you have. That's what the best part about the USFFL auctions are, is there are other parameters that we have put in place to really limit you in terms of not necessarily limit your strategies, but you have to think about other things beside, Hey, Eric, how much money do I have? Like that matters, but also when you spend, it matters. Also the limitations in terms of how many players do you need to win? How many players can you win? You can only bid on two players at a time. If you leave your money left over, it determines the value of your future draft picks. So there's like all these factors that come into play. And then you have the six hour clock, which knowing these parameters, knowing there are teams that have to win two players, there are teams that can only bid on two players. Like the timing of everything goes into play. It's really next level strategy that has nothing to do with what players we're picking. Cause we can always look back and say, wow, you got this player for $120. What a deal. But it really wasn't a deal because you couldn't have seen it coming. 
You know, like you couldn't see day one versus day seven. Of course, the prices are going to be. Everything has changed in those six days. Uh, but just the next level strategy that uh, we've been able to develop doing these auctions, I think, is going to make us all better players. And I kind of feel more prepared going into the future auctions, too. Like, you don't know how it's going to shake out in terms of the order. But I think after doing, I mean, this is our sixth one that we're doing right now. I feel like I have a capacity for all the possible scenarios now that I can think through. Whereas the first one, I didn't think through some of this stuff. I look back at a couple of the auctions that we did at the beginning and I'm like, yeah, I was probably too aggressive in trying to build my team the way that I wanted and not play in the board. And now I'm, I'm definitely thinking about them totally different. So really fun. Hit us up if you want to get into one. We'll probably do, you know, a couple more throughout the summer before the season. So uh, we'll keep you in mind. Yeah, I think I've had a few people message me. I still have on a list as well. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, message either me, Scott, or the show account, and we'll definitely get you on the list for when we do another one uh, coming up here in the future. Uh, But last week we talked about uh, most of the free agent signings and trades and all that that had happened so far. Uh, throughout the NFL, and obviously from the last time we recorded until now, um, there's been you know quite a few more so far. So, just I want to start off the show here in the beginning and kind of just go over each one of these ones real quick here. Take about 15 minutes, go over them uh, before we get into the main part of our show today. But yeah, you ready to do that, Scott? Yep, we have some stragglers that we're here to talk about. Probably just be 10 to 15 minutes, but there have been some significant moves that have taken place since uh, we did our free agency show last week. So, yep, let's get into it. Yeah. So the first one, I I think, kind of go together a little bit. Um, So Damian Harris um, is going from New England to Buffalo, so staying inside the division. And he he only got a cheap deal. I think, wasn't it like $1.5 or something cheap like that? Uh, I think it was a little bit more, but yeah, it... It's your typical running back contract. You know, it's mm. kind of a prove it type deal. But really, with these running backs, what you're starting to realize is there is no such thing as proving anything because what are they going to prove, Eric? They're just going to prove that they can be productive mm-hmm. and that they're healthy. And then what's going to happen next year? Well, you're a running back. So you're going to hit free agency again, or we're going to offer you a similar type deal and you either take it or leave it. Kind of like we talked about last week. Even if a guy changes teams, it's not like he's changing teams and hitting the market so he can go out and get a bunch of money, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's probably an upgrade from Singletary, but I think all it is is it's a better offense, maybe more touchdown opportunities, but I don't think it really moves the needle too much. It's more of a relief if you had Damian Harris that he wasn't one of those guys that lingered into the off season, you know, and didn't have a job. And then you're kind of wondering what to do with them. So I don't think much has changed, but a lot of people have said it's an upgrade over Singletary remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's an upgrade over Singletary, but I think it's an upgrade of from where Harris was, you know, he had Ramondre Stevenson basically sharing the workload with them. Now it's James Cook right now, Naeem Hines. And I'm guessing they're probably going to draft another one at some point this year. Or um, I don't know, maybe they sign like uh, another guy too if if they get the right deal. Who knows? But yeah, I think this is a really good spot for Damian Harris right now, especially if maybe they only take like a seventh round guy, a sixth round guy, something like that, 
and they're just counting on maybe Harris and Cook being their two main guys. I, I, I really like that for Harris. I think he's better than what Zach Moss was for sure. So that I think that's an upgrade too for just Buffalo in general from what they had in Zach Moss. But yeah, I think Damian Harris can more than carry the load. He's not bad catching the ball, but I think James Cook is going to be used more for that role, and then they have Naeem Hines if they have to uh, go to that. But yeah, Harris is going to be that short yardage back, the hammer back. He's probably still going to lose some goal line touches to Josh Allen, so that kind of sucks for fantasy-wise. But I could still see Harris scoring, you know, five, six touchdowns maybe, and you know he's not going to have that massive whatever he had a couple years ago, like 12 touchdowns with New England. But, yeah, I don't mind the signing at all. So Damian Harris and a third or Devin Singletary and a second? Random, 2024. Mm, Say it again, I'm sorry. So you give me Devin Singletary and a 24 second. I give you Damian Harris and a 24 third. I think I would take Singletary in the second. Like, I don't think it's that that big of a difference. Well, I'm just thinking of creative ways to throw these types in deals because as soon as you say, mm. let me go sell these guys for a second, you know, you, can you get us? Do you think you could get a second for Damian Harris right now? Uh, I think you could get maybe like the 210, 211, 212. Yeah. I mean, a 24 second from an average team. If they're a running back needy, I think it's possible, yeah. So he's an auto-sell if you can get a 24-second and another body back. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yep, I can get behind that. Now what about Singletary? Because he's probably more of, would you do? Would you sell Singletary for a third and a body? Because um, he doesn't yeah, catch passes, I, and he's probably he's probably a smaller version of Damian Pierce and that not nearly as good of an offense as Buffalo was. Right. Yeah. I think I could get behind that. If I could get a third and a, you know, a a body back for sure. What type of bodies do you think are in the realm that you could probably get back? Cause could could I get, could I get a third and Samaje P Ryan? No. Cause I think I'd take P Ryan over Singletary straight up. That's kind of where I was going with. Maybe I could. I mean, you. you I think somebody. I think somebody is looking at that and not thinking the way me and your me and you are thinking. And I think you could maybe pull that off. So if you do have some single tires, maybe that's a trade you can do. Yeah, if you can get that done, that that, I think that's a smash. Would you take Clyde Edwards Hilaire in a third? Yeah, I think I'd take the shot that Clyde um, has. At least one more decent season here before he is a free agent. Yeah, I think that's how you get creative. And it's basically you look at Devin Singletary and the guy you're getting back as they're low enough on the totem pole that they don't really matter that much. And you're getting a free pick. So, I mean, it, you have to kind of hide these deals. You can't make it so obvious what you're trying to do. So, you may need to also throw in a receiver swap in there where it's like two receivers. I don't really care if I switch them up but make it look like maybe the other team is getting a slight advantage at another spot. Cause otherwise I think people see right through an Edwards Hilaire and a third for Singletary. They're going to look at Singletary versus Edwards Hilaire and go, I don't care about which one I have, but I'm definitely not giving you that free third. Mm-hmm. So would you do like a Gus Edwards and a third for Singletary? Hmm. <laughs> I think if my exposure was at a certain spot, then Yeah. 
I mean, you go, you know, Gus is in Baltimore. Like he's been good before. I, I don't see why they would give up on him as long as he's healthy and he can play. Like he's going to get touches might not yeah, be what he got his... a couple years ago, but yeah. Yeah. I think he's good for eight to 10 touches rushes a game. I don't think he's catching the ball at all, but he can get you eight to 10 rushes a game. I think with Dobbins. Okay, so going a little further, we haven't talked about these yet, but we might as well segue into it. Would you do Ronald Jones in a third for Singletary? No. Dearness Johnson in a third for Singletary? No, I think I'd keep Singletary there too. So those guys are like too far down, right? Like not even guaranteed to make the team down? I Yeah, I think they're they're on that borderline to like make the team and or be cut, yeah. So what do you do with the Jacksonville backups right now? Snoop Connor, Jamichael Hasty, Dearness Johnson are one of those guys is probably easily out, right? Most likely, yeah. And, and they it, could still draft a guy too. I mean, yeah, I mean this is pre-draft, but I'm Yeah. They brought Jamichael Hasty back. Like yeah. they signed him right away. So I kind of almost feel like I mean it's they really like Johnson. What he did the yeah, it's Dearness Johnson versus Snoop Connor for like the third back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I agree with that. And Dearness has proven that he can play in the league. He did really good two years ago with the Browns. So uh, I think that's a little bit of a se- sneaky signing. And I have, you know, me and you both have quite a bit of Dearness Johnson still. Even though he did like didn't do anything last year, we still held on to him because we know uh, he had pretty good talent. So I'm excited to see what he can do with Jacksonville. It, it's interesting, though, just not calling you out, but it's interesting how you don't like Ronald Jones, but you like Dearness Johnson, yet last year both of them were just buried. Mm. Well, I just, I've just i never liked Ronald Jones. That's just a personal thing. I don't think he's very good at all. Okay. And now, and then I while I was reading this, I didn't add him to it, but Dallas also re-signed uh, Rico Dowdle again. So... Now it's Malik Davis, Rico Dottle, and Rojo, you know, to behind Tony Pollard. And that's a team that definitely could draft one. And, yeah, they could be in the Bijan sweepstakes or uh, Jameer Gibbs, anybody. So I would think out of those guys that we mentioned that are currently on Dallas's roster, I would say Dowdle probably has the best chance to get cut. I think I, think I would take Rojo over Dowdle just because Dowdle can't stay healthy. So well, that's how I'd, I'd uh, order no that. leverage, but would you take auto accept a third? Well, no, not going to do a third auto accept. Would you take a fourth for Dearness Johnson or Rojo? Four Oh five this year where you get to pick from a rookie running back this year. RB 18. Yeah, because I don't think either of these guys are going to make that big of a difference where I think I could, this running back class I really, really like. I mean, it's like 20 deep or whatever it is, and I I think I can get a guy I like better. There you go. That's the takeaway. Any fourth for those running backs. Took us five minutes to get to that point, but the main message is sell Dearness Johnson and Ronald Jones for a fourth. This is what they tune in for. And, and Tony Jones or Ty Johnson, Eric, are those guys even worth roster spots at this point? Yeah, I just threw them on here because they uh, were at least fantasy relevant. But Ty Johnson went back to the Jets. We'll Man, see. if they also signed Zeke, geez. 
Yeah, he Ty Johnson's probably. I mean, he just keeps teetering on that like roster bubble, but they keep keeping him around. So they obviously like him. He's a good uh, locker room guy. He's a good player. You know, when he does get in there to play, he can give you some solid touches. So we'll see what happens there with Ty Johnson. He's just like your last running back on your roster. I think I've ended up cutting him on a few rosters this offseason as well um, just to get under the roster um, bubble. And then Tony Jones went to Denver, so obviously Sean Payton knows him from New Orleans, bringing in a New Orleans guy. They haven't brought back Latavius as of yet, so it'll be interesting to see with Tony Jones there. I don't think he's, I think he's kind of proven that he's just a guy, a plotter. You know, I liked him um, a couple years ago in preseason. I thought he showed pretty good, but it's not like, you know, he's going to come in and get 20 touches if Javante goes down or um, whoever else goes down, you know, or Piran goes down. Uh, can Tyler, can your Tyler Beatty's be cut? I'm going to guess. Yes. If they're bringing in Tony Jones, they brought in Samaje Piran. I'm guessing they might look at somebody in the, um, in the draft as well, and maybe an undrafted guy, because Sean Payton has had a lot of success with uh, undrafted running backs in his career. So, yeah, I'd probably say so. Yeah, I've got some Tyler Beatty's that, uh, you know, the fact that he was on their active roster last year towards the end of the year was a little encouraging, but then it seems like now it's, let's bring yeah. in as many running backs as we can over him. So he's going to have to earn his keep, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I did the same thing you did. I picked him up in a few spots just because he did have a little success there at the end. But, yeah, he's probably going to be uh, one of the guys I ended up cutting here before rookie drafts. Yeah, unfortunate, but that's the life cycle of any running back on a 53. And half of them are on the chopping block at all times. Oh, yeah. All right, on to the wide receivers now. So we've had quite a bit of wide receiver movement. Um, after last week, there wasn't a whole lot. But the first one um, that we didn't get to last week was Adam Thielen signing with Carolina. So what did you think of Thielen to Carolina? I mean, we might as well talk about Thielen and DJ Chark going to Carolina. You have that one on here too. That's. I don't think it's super inspiring for like his value or anything because you're not even getting – lucky to probably get a third for Adam Thielen unless somebody just pays for the name. But I do think it, my biggest takeaway from these was it, it turns the Panthers at least into like, I don't think we view that spot as a dead spot for a rookie right away. You know, at least they have a couple veteran receivers that have produced in the NFL before. So I think it's positive for that. And I, I could see both of those guys, like maybe fetching a second, if you give back a third, potentially Chark and Thielen. But, you know, if you could get a second straight up for any of them or pivot off of them to any other receiver that's like on the fringe of roster clogger and get a third on top, I would do that too because I can add a running back. And if I end up having to cut some receivers, one of those guys just slides into my last receiver slot and I get a free running back out of it. So this, those are definitely guys you can leverage just simply because they're in the, they're in the news. But I I wouldn't say either of them are like top 50 receivers at this point. Yeah, and then your window on selling Terrace Marshall has died down too. Now they added both of those guys ahead of them. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is I actually don't think either of them probably impact Terrace Marshall that much, but it's just one of those lessons of it's a fallacy to say Terrace Marshall is anything 
because they haven't signed anybody yet. So this should be a learning lesson of like when this happens next time, next year, like sell the guy you would sell regardless because they don't have anybody else. Because even if they wouldn't have signed Adam Thielen or DJ Chark, did you really want Terrace Marshall? No, not really. Did did you really expect him to smash if he didn't if they didn't have anybody else? Or was it more of they just didn't have anybody else and he's probably an average player that's just in a decent situation? Like he he doesn't get better because they don't have anybody else. So if that's the argument, especially at receiver, well, Eric, they don't have anybody else. That's not why you want players, you know. You just want good right. players, and you hope they land in those situations. So I think it's a lesson learned on Terrace Marshall. Like there were people saying, "Oh, buy him for a late second, you know. Like, good luck with that because there's 50 other receivers that are kind of in his range, and I don't want to be paying for any of them. Give me the cheaper ones. And if you're still holding Shy Smith or Rashard Higgins, those guys are safely cuts now. Visca, the other one. And that's what I was going to ask Lavisca. I, I still kind of like him. Like I've taken him, I've taken him in some best ball drafts. But now that they signed both of these guys, yeah, it's a little iffy on Visca. I think I might have to cut him. But I could see him having like in best ball, like a, a game or two this year where he he does something. Yeah, I mean, obviously we have to decipher whether we're talking best ball or lineup. Like he's absolutely he was a roster clogger before they signed anybody in a lineup like, league. But even best ball, he's on the fringe of would you be shocked if there's another receiver within two weeks that you would rather have in a best ball league? I wouldn't. Yeah, and Carolina could even still draft a receiver too at some point. I mean yep. it wouldn't shock me. Um but I, I was kind of thinking of how Frank Reich uses receivers with Indy. I mean, they're they're not like the same type of player, but kind of are between Paris Campbell and Chenault. So I wonder if he kind of might envision Chenault as that kind of player in his offense. And, you know, Paris Campbell, didn't matter how many injuries he had, he's always had some kind of role there with them. So that's just one thing that I wanted to point out. Yeah, so you're saying go get some LaVisca Chenault? I mean, if people are going to drop him, then I think he's worth at least a free pickup with – you know, for zero dollars on your waiver wire. Okay. I'm not like going to trade like a fourth round pick. I'd much I'd rather have a fourth round pick. Fair. Yeah, don't trade so. anything for him. Yep. Uh another quick one that's probably meaningless. Matt Collins to Atlanta. Definitely an upgrade of their second wide receiver spot to Zacchaeus or whoever else they had. Atlanta's probably a prime spot to draft another wide receiver in the draft as well. Uh, but yeah, Mac Hollins to Atlanta, just a best ball guy to you. Not even a best ball guy. I'm good. Yeah, I'm glad I traded him um, last year, like before the playoffs, and let some teams use him. And then he didn't do anything, and I got him off my roster. Yep, created value out of nowhere. Yep. Um, okay, so the first main trade of the last week was Brandon Cooks getting traded to Dallas. So nice little trade here for Dallas. I like what they did here to get Brandon Cooks. Obviously, you're going to go with CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, and Cooks as your big three there now. My only concern, though, was the talk of McCarthy and obviously hiring Schottenheimer. They want to run the ball. So, like, is their volume even going to be there for the three wide receivers? Like, I think... 
I think CD should be okay, but I would expect maybe his numbers go down a little bit. But like Gallup and Cooks, I think, are going to kind of be impacted the most by this because they're going to be running the ball, I would guess, you know, at least 50-50, 55-45, something like that. Yeah, I mean, their neutral pass rate last year was almost 55%, which I don't know how much of that was McCarthy or how much of that was Kellen Moore, but they they were not one of those teams that like to pass in all situations. So if they're talking about becoming even more run heavy, I don't know what that exactly means because it's actually pretty hard to be more run heavy than they were last year. When I'm talking about like the situations that they're running, you know, like, I don't know. I think projections for Dallas that have Dak over 600 pass attempts are probably too high. If you look at Russell Wilson's numbers when he was with Seattle and Schottenheimer was his offensive coordinator you're probably looking more like a 550 to 575 range for Dak, which Dak can survive on that. I'm not as worried about Dak as I am for, like you said, the weapons right, in the passing yeah. game producing because you know you have to be super efficient, which Dak is very efficient for his career. So I'm not worried. He couldn't still be a top 10 quarterback or better, even on 550 attempts. He could. I mean, look at Russell Wilson, I believe in 2020, had 42 touchdowns. And it wasn't on a ton of attempts. Like, I'm not saying Dak's going to have 42 touchdowns, but he doesn't need 650 attempts, you know, to to be a high-end quarterback. He needs efficiency, which probably means he needs a better running game than he had. And that's my question. If they're going to run more, who is going to be their Zeke? Who is going to be their Chris Carson? You know, like, they don't have that guy right now. So that's why I'm kind of tempering thoughts that they're going to play that way because they don't have a running back where they can go. Yeah. We're just going to hammer that running back to quote unquote, like establish the run. You know what I mean? But maybe they draft that guy. Maybe they sign that guy. I mean, who knows, but it's weird. I I'm definitely more on with cooks impact wise. Like my message was you probably can't get more than a second for Brandon cooks, but you know what? You can probably get a second for Brandon cooks. You couldn't have gotten a second for Brandon Cooks when he was on the Texans. Right. I agree. So this is a window to get the second. It's not to, oh, I need a second plus. I need a first. I need multiple seconds. Like the move now is you can get a second in a small window where you can actually cash out. Before it was like, I don't even want Brandon Cooks. It was Brandon Cooks is more valuable on my roster than I can ever trade him for. But now I can trade him for about what his market cost is. So I think that's the move in uh can I get a can I get like a Samaje P Ryan in a second back for Brandon Cooks? Can I get like a running back plus a second? I think if you do that, that's a smash. Yeah, I agree with that. That'd be a good deal. And do I you have any s- other thoughts on what to do with Cooks? Like, can you because I don't can you add to Cooks to get a better receiver? Is he seen in that light where people are convinced he's gonna produce? Mm. Yeah, I just don't know how how far you'd be moving up there. Trying to think like off the top of my head, who would be some guys like? Could you get, could you get Mike Williams, like Brandon Cooks in a third for Mike Williams? I don't know something like that. Uh, I mean, I think that just depends on your preference between Cooks and Mike Williams. Like Mike the Williams, optics yeah. of that trade doesn't make sense for probably the person giving the third because of where both slot in. I was going to ask you, could you get, could you get yeah, a guy like? I was just thinking of somebody higher up in the tier, but go ahead. Could you get a guy like Drake London for Brandon Cooks in a 24 first? No, I don't think somebody would do that. 
could you get a tier lower than that? Could you get like you think you DJ Moore for a DJ Moore, Jamison Williams for a 24 first and Brandon Cooks? I think that's possible, yeah. See, and I when you get down to like the JMO range, George Pickens range, I'm almost on this cell. Like, give me the Brandon right. Cooks, you know? And the first, right, yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I could see that because Cooks could easily outperform them and you get the first. So yeah, I could see that. Well, Cooks is just a, especially in best ball, Cooks is just a free if he does anything, you've essentially gotten the price back from Jamison Williams and you've gotten the free production, you know? That's Right. That's the whole idea of the leverage deal. And these leverage deals in uh, best ball are even better, especially a receiver, because it's like you've seen the data. I mean, it, there's a shot that Brandon Cooks has more of quote-unquote consistent and spike weeks than Jameson Williams does. Maybe not in two years, but right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and I'm getting a free first. It's like free insurance. Right. And then, like you said, it'll be interesting to see what Dallas does at running back. They have four guys already. Can they afford to add a fifth? Like – could they be a team like that signs Leonard Fournette for like one year, three million, something like that? And if Leonard Fournette wants to keep playing? Well, I heard this on a show and they were talking about Dallas still may go receiver in the first round. Cause they did it with CD Lamb. Cause they're looking at Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup going, those dudes are done after this year. We yeah. need the next CD Lamb. We don't want to be in the same position next year where we have to pay CD Lamb and we don't have any other receivers. So, like, I mean, that would be, I think, a little bit of a stretch, but I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas still takes a receiver. Mm. Like, let's say they take Rasheed Rice in the second. Then what do you do with Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup? And what do you do with Rasheed Rice? Because it's going to be hard for a second-round rookie to beat out Michael Gallup or Brandon Cooks. It's not like they suck. Right. So it's not like you can draft that second-round receiver and go, man, this is a good landing spot but he's kind of buried for the first year. You know what I mean? Unless he's just really, really good. Like let's say, let's say Rasheed Rice did go to Dallas and he went there in the middle of the second profile wise, that should be a top 20 pick. Are you Mm -hmm. really taking him in the top 20 or would you just kind of pass on that guy? Even if you like the spot, I'd probably pass on it. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Cause I could see them taking a receiver still, even though they got cooks. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they view Cooks or Gallup as like those are our answers for two or three more years. You know, like receiver, you mm-hmm. kind of always got to get ahead of the game. They did it with Lamb. Yeah. Poor Jalen Tolbert. That's all oh. I wanted to say. I mean, <laughs> that impact was known a long time ago. He's even worse than David Bell. Yeah, they they like they might have to like weekend at Bernie's him around the the, <laughs> the facility. He's gonna, he's you know what's going to be funny is Jalen Tolbert will actually watch. He will become the next Cedric Wilson or Noah Brown, where we've already given up on him, but he's so damn annoying for the next two or three years because they're giving him like 20% of the snaps, and you're like, just bury this dude. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, and he's like, getting like the two for 29 again. We've Yeah, we've written him off, yet we'll look out there, and it's like, why the hell is he getting four targets? He's just taking those away from guys we actually care about. Right, right. So, all right. These next two we can go over real quick. Trent Sherfield signed to Buffalo. Cam Sims to Vegas. Sherfield's just another wide receiver that Buffalo signed. I don't think it's going to be anything special there. And then Cam Sims, I just threw him in there. Like, they don't have anybody else. Could he be this year's Mac Collins that maybe we could pick up for free off the waivers and see what happens? 
the initials BBRC. Those were from my childhood um, baseball rookie card. Uh-huh. Right? Not, but we're going to say best ball roster clogger. When you're a best ball roster clogger, <laughs> you're bad. So that's Trent Shirtfield. That's Cam Sims. Uh, that's Jamison Crowder. That's Nelson Aguilar. And that's Marquise Goodwin. So I just crossed those off our list so we can actually get on with the fun part of the show. Unless you have other thoughts on any of those three. Are, do you even want those guys in best ball? Nah, Goodwin is just signed today with Cleveland. I'm not interested in him. I mean, Aguilar could end up being the number two on Baltimore, so he's going to have a little bit of value, but I've seen that song and show already. I don't want to see it again. So, And Jamison Crowder is, what, the ninth slot receiver that the Giants have now? I mean, let me just ask you this. The night or the Giants have literally added three slot receivers on top of Wandale Robinson. Yet people are still saying they pay seconds for him. Yeah, I think you gotta just sell him, right? Would you take two thirds? Yeah, in this draft, yeah. I mean, it's just it's wild that there's still and I'm a Kentucky fan, right? Like I have reasons to be like, hey, I like Wandale Robinson, but he is a average profile receiver where they have done everything possible to add other players that could take his targets and opportunity. And he has a torn ACL. Yep. And he's probably going to miss most of the year. But I mean, and the funny thing is they're bringing in, like they're not bringing in bodies. They're bringing in guys that have actually produced before. Now, I I think we both believe that like probably Jamison Crowder and Sterling Shepard are probably cooked, but yeah, but yeah, and then they brought back Slayton. They brought back Shepard, like you said. They brought in Paris Campbell. Yep. They brought in uh, Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith's going to be a big one there. Yeah, I, I think it's just with Wandale, like you can hold on to the profile, but there's enough here to say he's one of those players that within when six months, he's going to be the exact same thing as he is right now. But you're going to wonder why you didn't take that future capital. Not because he can't be good in the future, but wouldn't you rather just have draft capital instead of that? Yeah, 100%. Like, even if he ends up being good, what did we talk about last year with Wandale Robinson? Why did we draft him that much? Do you remember our discussions around him? He was an outlier for me. I mean, his profile, his size, and all that, he was an outlier. So I just I wasn't going to take him, even though he got drafted super high. I think I only have... Maybe one for sure, maybe two of them, and I just don't have a lot of them. And that was the point, was that he is already seen as an outlier. So even if he was good, he's never going to hold the premium value that you would hope for if you hit on a pick that was drafted where he was. You know, People would always Mm -hmm. be like, oh man, he's too small, that was his ceiling. You know, Kind of like Hunter Renfro. It's fair to say like Hunter Renfro, when he had a good season... That's kind of what you hope for going forward from him. It hasn't happened, but that's basically what you would hope for. Right. So there was no ceiling with him. So it's like you're drafted him in a second, but there was never a chance he was worth more. And now somehow he has managed to hold his value despite having a torn ACL. I don't understand it. He's an easy sell. And this is coming from somebody that is a Kentucky fan that just looks at that profile and says it just screams you know, it's it's the junk box in your closet, and someone goes, I'll give you $3. And you're like, no, man, it's worth 5 No, dude, it's worth nothing because you have somebody that's willing to give you something for it. Just take it and walk away. 
Right. I'm just pulling up their this is their their depth chart currently um, of people that they have. And it literally goes nine deep of guys who have made impacts in the NFL at one point. So Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Jamison Crowder, Jeff Smith, Colin Johnson, David Sills. There's your nine receivers, and they still have a couple guys behind those guys too. Jaden Mickens, Khalil Pimpleton, who did pretty good um, in the preseason for Detroit. But, I mean, I just named you know those top nine. Colin Johnson's coming off a major injury. David Sills has stayed around on that team for like four years. Jeff Smith just signed there. Crowder's just signed there. They re-signed all these guys. And you've got to think they're still a prime team to draft a wide receiver like... Would it shock you if they're drafting Quentin Johnston or um, Jordan Addison in the first round with their first round pick? Not at all, no. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do at wide receiver this year. Like That is one that um, when I do my digging um, for training camp stuff, that's going to be one of the interesting ones for sure. Yep, best ball only, and you know, if you if you have one that someone sees as valuable, like AKA Wandale, just sell. It has nothing to do with him. It just it just makes no sense to hold that type of asset. And then real quickly, what do you think with Isaiah Hodgins? I mean, he's different than all of those guys, like body type wise and all that. Do you still like Hodgins, or do you think he's kind of screwed too, just because they brought in all these guys? Well, you also have to think they have a freaking. Slot receiver essentially playing tight end with Waller too. Like they're not going to only roll with Waller. That they have two tight ends that they can play. Guys that play slightly different positions. So, right. Yeah, man. I think you can probably just chalk the Giants up to, and Brandon, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, is a Giants fan. So maybe we'll talk a little more about him as things roll out through the summer. Like what's actually going on with the Giants? But feels like last year they had such little firepower. That this year they're just going, we're adding as many guys as possible. We're going to add 15 pass catchers. Mm-hmm. And however it shakes out, it shakes out. But like we're not going into the season, man, going, who do we, who can we find from other teams' practice squads to play? You know? Right. For sure. So I think it just, we're early on, but I think you sell the ones that have value. So I think Hodgins is, he's probably in the same boat as Wandale, honestly. You have people out there that are saying he's going to be the wide receiver one on the team. he's he's a no pedigree receiver that is probably in the best spot he can ever be in and what is that worth a early third late second at most yeah if i can get a second for him he's gone i would you take a a second if you give back a third sure you probably got to do that that. but even if you make a deal like that what has a better chance of turning into a bigger deal or a primary asset it's a second over a third you know what i mean for sure and i get a roster spot if i make that deal so that's kind of one of those anti-leverage deals that i would make where if i can free up a roster spot like especially in our best ball leagues i can always find a receiver like isaiah hodgins not him specifically but i can find another guy to pick up for sure. Oh. Yeah, they always they always come up uh, out of the woodwork just like Hodgins did and all these other guys. So Yep. Um, all right, so quickly the last three on the list here. Isaiah McKenzie to Indy. I'm not really interested in that one. Yep. Should have put yeah. him in with Cam Sims, Marquise Goodwin, and Trent Sherfield later. Yeah, I think I might end up cutting some Isaiah McKenzie's to be honest. So uh McCole Hardman to the Jets. I mean, they've got a crowded receiver room still, too. I mean, obviously they made a trade, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. 
Um, but they still are they going to keep Corey Davis? Are they going to cut Corey Davis? That's still um, to be determined. Obviously, Garrett Wilson, they brought in Alan Lazard. So what do you think about McCole Hardman? I think they do cut Corey Davis because they're going to need cap room for Aaron Rodgers. They can cut Corey Davis for no money. Now, the weird thing about these speculative cuts is a lot of times I hear on podcasts because I do listen to a ton of podcasts of, yeah, they're going to cut that guy because they can get out of his contract, right? You hear that all the time. Yeah. But then realistically, these teams have to spend money. It's already committed that they're spending money in a lot of these cases. So unless the cut literally involves them needing the money to go do something else. Rarely do you see teams just cut to cut. Even if the guy is overpaid, you know, it's like Corey Davis. He's probably a guy that brings more to the jets than what he does on the field. So unless it's literally, we need this cap room to cut him. We're not just going to go cut him to deprive him of the money. You know what I mean? He's good enough to contribute. Is he worth more than $10 million in terms of what he brings to the team relative to other players? Probably not. But I think a lot of times we look at contracts and we go, yeah, man, they can get out of this guy's contract because in Dynasty, and I'm guilty of this, we have this kind of a obsession with always wanting everything to be super efficient. Like, why would we pay Corey Davis $10 million when we could just go sign DJ Chark for half that? You and I are like, yeah, save the $5 million, you know? But that's not how the teams think. Like, they know Corey Davis. He's there for a reason unless it's obvious to make the move. Like, I don't know if it's guaranteed that he gets cut. Mm-hmm. And if he's on the team, I almost think he's, I don't want to say he's as good as Alan Lazard, but I'm not saying guaranteed Alan Lazard outproduces even Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. So if he's on the team, I think well, to answer your question, I think it definitely impacts McCole Hardman. Otherwise I like McCole Hardman best ball only, but like I'll, I'll give up a fourth for McCole Hardman. I, you know, I'll, on, on a best ball team. Yeah. Yeah. I just, if he couldn't do it with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, getting Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to change much. So I think he but just he, stays the same for me. Yeah. He didn't not do it with Patrick Mahomes. He didn't not do it in like lineup leagues with Patrick Mahomes. It's best ball, right. best ball only for sure. Right. But he had some good, I mean, he had a quite a few good games with Patrick Mahomes in his career. He just wasn't, he wasn't the asset you thought, his draft capital and the Mahomes landing spot would turn into. But then you go back and you look at like his career fantasy production and it's not like it's God awful, you know, like he can yeah. still give you a, a couple usable weeks. So if you're just throwing a pick down the drain, I'm okay with it. Okay. And then the last one was the trade that happened yesterday. Uh, the Browns got Elijah Moore and he's going to be their starting slot receiver now. Uh, that's probably where he plays best, in my opinion. So, really good trade for Cleveland. No bias here. <clears throat> but, uh, I know, I really like this trade for Cleveland. Him and um, Watson have worked out together before. I was listening to a local interview that Elijah um, did the other day with uh, the Browns radio network. So, that was pretty cool to hear. But, yeah, I think he's really excited to be with Cleveland. Um the one uh, radio host on the Browns network talked about um, how the morning of the draft, I think that was the 2020 draft, um, that radio host actually sat down uh, for lunch with Stefanski 
And he just, you know, joked with me. He's like, man, I, I want, I really want you guys to get Elijah Moore. And Stefanski laughed and just was like, yeah, we, we'd really like to get him, but it's probably not going to happen just where they were draft pick wise. It didn't happen, but this team, Cleveland, has really, really liked Elijah Moore. They did covet him. They had him as graded as like a late first round pick in that draft. Um, and now to get him a couple years later, they're ecstatic to have Elijah Moore. So I'm happy for it. Yeah, I didn't know that. It was 20, 2021, but I didn't know or they actually liked him. And then it, it's funny how that ends up working out where he ends up here. And we all we all know the story about him kind of getting buried with the Jets. And I yeah. I was wrong on this. I'll take the L. I kept saying, why would the Jets trade him? And, you know, we'll see what they do with that pick. It sounds like that pick could be one of the picks that goes back in the Rodgers deal just because they might have needed an extra pick. Who knows? Um, or they just looked at it like, hey, we can draft another player here. Maybe we draft a different position or something like, you know, they probably have other needs that they can use and they probably see that pick as I've heard a lot of draft analysts say this year, they only have around like 20 or so first round graded players, but then they have like a 20 to 60 is all the same. So yeah. like a getting, getting pick, what did they get? Pick 42 and it was pick 74 that the Browns got something like that. Yep. Yep. So maybe they probably looked at that pick as like, that's like a second versus a third round dynasty pick, like a different tier of player that we're going to be able to get. And hell, they might even be able to move up with those back-to-back picks in the second. Maybe they even can move and get a better player and trade back somewhere else and do like a two for two. Right. And that's how they kind of talked about it on the Browns uh, radio thing when I was listening to. You know, they basically were saying the the Jets wanted like a the Browns third round pick straight up for them. Then they countered back kind of with like, okay, what if we give you our second? You give us your third back plus Elijah, and you're not really losing that much. So it worked out. Yeah. So housekeeping here: David Bell droppable. Probably yes. Uh, and then Elijah Moore or Donovan Peoples-Jones? Is it clearly Elijah Moore for you? Yeah, I like his talent better, but I, I can still see all three of these guys, Cooper included, you know, one week it's Cooper, one week it's DPJ, one week more. So I think it's going to kind of be one of those things. I I think Elijah is more talented personally, so I would probably prefer Elijah over DPJ, but not by much. Does this kind of feel like a little bit like Jacksonville, Kirk, Ridley, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Browns, kind of the same thing. Like yeah. all, none of the Browns guys could finish top 20 receiver or top 10 tight end, but all of them are productive. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. It's interesting that, and they kind of have with ETN and Chubb, same kind of thing, like an early down running back that, you know, we've seen ETN do some in the receiving game, but I, I don't think you can look at him and say he's like a 60-70 catch guy. So very, very yeah. similar how their offenses are set up. I, I actually think the Browns are uh, – it's funny because I hate the Browns, but I also kind of root for the Browns because they made a big move with the Watson trade. And I just love to kind of throw it back to people when they say, oh, the Browns are the dumbest organization in the world. They paid for this quarterback. And it's like, dude, Watson is one of the top eight six quarterbacks in the league. Now, is he ever going to get back to that play? Maybe, maybe not. But like to say you don't take on that risk mm-hmm. when four other teams were willing to take on the risk, like mm-hmm. the Browns are not And and I have to say, we talked about this last year. 
guarantee the Browns had something in mind when they gave Watson this contract that they were going to piss everybody else off by giving them this contract. And it is, it is working. The Browns are beating the Baltimore Ravens right now because they gave Watson this contract. Even if Watson never gets to be as good as Lamar Jackson again, they effectively screwed the Ravens by putting this deal out there. Like, you cannot not talk about that. I don't know if that happens with Herbert and Burrow and Jalen Hurts, but you know what? If there's even a little bit of doubt in these quarterbacks and they look back at the Watson deal and go, hey, that guy, so me. The the Browns just, it's like royalties for a TV show, you know? Every time they play it, the Browns get a little richer. And (laughs) you, you you can't underestimate that. They literally sabotaged a division rival. Like, it's not even close who I would take right now. Browns versus Ravens next year. Not even close. And that's the effect of this Watson trade. So I got to give your team kudos for that. Yep. Now, I know you were talking about it in the Heisman chat right after the trade happened. You said you would sell Elijah Moore straight up for any early second, basically. Well, that was before he got traded. I was selling him for seconds. And I was kind of taking a victory lap on that going, oh, yeah, you know, he's going to be buried with the Jets. He's not going to be worth a second. I, you know what? It depends on the format, but yeah, for mo- for the most part, if you're in one of these leagues where tight ends matter, you're building your running backs a certain way, you probably have Elijah Moore as a threshold receiver, but not one that you were counting on in your lineup, you know? So I do think you shop them. I think you take advantage of the fact that somebody might trade you a pick that you could draft Jordan Addison, Jay Fl- Zay Flowers, something like that, or one of the tight ends or the running back three, four, five. I'm okay doing that. There's no leverage. So you could easily get burned in that trade, right? It's a 60-40 bet either side. So you could get burned. I'd prefer to get two seconds or I'd prefer to get a second and a body. I don't want another receiver back, but I'd take a receiver or a second and a running back. If I could do that, I think that's the move. Selling them for 203, 204, that's a, that's a coin flip. So I right. think it just depends on how your team is built and if you need to liquidate some shares. Okay. All right. And then quickly on the tight end here, uh, we'll just knock these first two out since they go together. OJ Howard and Austin Hooper both signed in Vegas. Um, nothing really there for either. I think OJ Howard's completely cooked. Austin Hooper has really fallen off in the last couple of years too. So they're just like tight end, like thirties for me. So do you think there's some merit in having both of these guys just to see what happens? Or, I mean, this is a team that could draft the tight end too. So, yeah, I think they both just clog my roster and I get frustrated every time I look at my roster and see their name on it. Okay. So really there's no value to them then. No, I don't think so. No, I've seen Hooper dropped in a few leagues and I know you have too. So, Man, you I don't pick, really... Are you picking them up, or does it have to be the format dependent to pick them up? I think it would have to be the format, yeah. Like, would you pick them up in a 1.5? No. Okay. I mean, that's not that's not shocking analysis. I think we're both on the same page. If it, you got to know if tight ends matter in your league. If they do matter, then any tight end that could play is probably worth a roster spot. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if... Uh, you know, we were doing that underdog draft the other day, and it was like, let's take both. You know, well, there's a yeah. chance we we get two we get two zeros. It's not like yeah. one of them's guaranteed to win the job and produce. Like both of them could yeah. be 
nothing. The, so the high second round, they take uh, Musgrave, and Musgrave is their new guy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, would it be would it shock you if like next week they sign another tight end? No, not at all. I mean, they kind of like that Jesper Horstead a little bit too. So you got to think he's a little bit into the mix. But like you said, they could obviously draft somebody too because this tight end class is loaded. Your boy Irv Smith still sitting out there. Yeah, I thought maybe Cleveland would pick him up, but then they signed Aikens, so we'll see. We'll, um, and he could sure. use a tight end. Yeah, I could see him going to Cincinnati and producing. That that would wouldn't that just be the uh, that would be the ultimate karma for me, wouldn't it? Because now I'm sitting here rooting for Irv Smith to produce <laughs> when I've said all along never going to produce. Yeah, but I mean, I can see it. There's not many out there left. There's only two more we're going to talk about. One of them, you know, was probably a target for Cincy, but continue. Yeah. So the next one up was the probably one of the biggest tight end signings of the offseason so far, and that was Dalton Schultz to Houston on a one year deal. I think it's a downgrade. Obviously, he's going to be playing with a rookie quarterback. And who knows, you know, with Robert Woods, Nico Collins, if they bring somebody else in, John Mechie should be back. You know, he's competing with a lot of other guys. He's not going to have that chemistry like he had with Dak. I think Schultz was kind of one of those guys, all right, we really value him with Dak because of his chemistry and the way that him and Dak just play together. But I think just with a rookie quarterback, he's probably like more in the tight end 12 range for me now. Well, we got into a little uh, spirited debate last week about Dalton Schultz, and if he went to the Chargers, you'd pay a late first. Right. But you're saying still top 12. Interesting. I think he's borderline there. He's like with the Gaseckis, the Dawson Knoxes, you know, those types at the very back end of the top 12 there. Okay, so I'm going to put your, put your feet to the fire a little bit. Straight up, who do you prefer, Jelani Woods or Dalton Schultz? Dalton Schultz. Uh, Kate Otten. Schultz still. Okay. Isaiah Likely. Schultz. I won't say Bellinger. Hmm. I know and you. I know all... you would say Dulcich. I know you would say Dulcich. I assume you would take Trey yeah. McBride over him. Dulcich definitely. McBride. Probably, yes. All right, last one. You know who it is. Chiggy. I think I'd take Schultz. Okay. So you, so you are not necessarily the one that is going to say, oh, well, I'm give me the upside of the rookies from last year. I think you probably have a little more perspective on what the realistic outcomes yeah, like are. Yeah, like I'm not saying he's a completely terrible player. He's still a really good player in the league. I just think... Um, not being with Dallas and not being with Dak and his chemistry with him just, you know, makes him more of just like an, an average tight end that we're looking at. Like last year, he was in our probably top eight. Now I think he's down in the like 12 to 16 range. Yeah. I mean, you know who he kind of reminds me of? He reminds me a little bit of Hunter Henry. You know, Hunter Henry yeah, has had a slightly that. better profile than Schultz, but neither of them were uber athletic. Both of them produced early in their career, but then both of them left the situation where they were. 
So you're kind of sitting here going like, okay, Hunter Henry, at one point we valued him as what tight end six, seven in dynasty. Remember those days? Yep. And he leaves the chargers and it's kind of like, okay, maybe this is good. Maybe this is bad. But if he was good, if he was really tight end seven, why did he leave? You know what I mean? And it's kind of the mm-hmm. same thing here. I'm guessing Dallas didn't really see him as like a guy we need to pay and commit to like, not that he isn't good, but we can upgrade at a cheaper marginal cost than him. So I will say with a lot of the RAS data and stuff that we talked about with him, he he does have one thing going for him that he's produced despite not having the profile twice. So you got to respect that. You got to figure he can go somewhere else and potentially produce there. But yeah, his value is definitely going to fall. Oh, I just looked up at the time and we're 55 minutes in. We're like, yeah, yeah, this would be 15 minutes tops. Well, you know what? We'll do a speed through the mock draft. We haven't even talked about the saddest one of Foster Moreau retiring or temporarily stepping away from football. Yeah, go go ahead and talk about it. I mean, it's sad. He said he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, founded it uh, in medical. When he went to do his medical in New Orleans, they found it and... He's stepping away from football. I mean, I thought, honestly, it was a lock. He was going to sign with the Saints or the Bengals because he knows Derek Carr. He's from New Orleans. Like, that was a lock. Or he wanted to play with Burrow. Like, he thought he was going to sign at any point, you know? Yeah. And then, boom, that now you know why he didn't sign because probably is like, I don't know if I can play. So, listen, I don't want to be insensitive, but you cutting him? I've cut him everywhere. Yeah, I think I got to cut him. because Even he was, in formats. Yeah, he was like a fringe tight end anyways, you know. We we liked his upside and, and all that on a good team, but yeah, I think you got to cut him. I've cut him in even two tight end leagues, leagues where, you know, t- every tight end that's decent is, you know. Well, you brought up. up the good point to me yesterday that even if he he's not going to get picked up by a team obviously, so he's going to be listed as FA or free agent, and you're not going to be able to IR him especially like on MFL. So if you can't IR him, then yeah, you got to cut him. Yep. And if someone else wants to use up that roster spot, then yeah, go ahead. They'll have all the there. Foster Moreaus in a year or two yeah. if he's able to come back. So this this is a perfect Enod pickup. This will be Enod's pickup that we'll see next week a hundred times because I think Enod's still holding Henry Ruggs in every league. <laughs> so. Shout out to Enod. What's up, my friend? <laughs> if he even listens, he might. <laughs> You know what? We'll know because uh, he'll definitely comment to us. But yeah, shout out to him for carrying those guys where it's like, wow, you still yeah. have Todd Gurley? What the hell, you know? Yeah, I think he still has uh, Barry Sanders on his team, too. Uh, right. Almost an hour in, man. We haven't even started this mock draft. I, for- I forget what we're even going to do with the mock draft other than a mock draft. Didn't we set some parameters? Yeah, so let me uh, just pull it up here really quick. So you wanted to do 14-team super flex, start 11, uh, start two tight ends with a tight end premium of 1.75, and you said a .15 point per carry, so a slight point per carry. So this is, these are the parameters we're going to go by for this draft. We're going to do three rounds. Um, obviously, with it being 14 teams, we'll try and go a little bit faster. Uh, but yeah, we're just going to um, go through the draft here and make a do a rock draft, and the exciting part that we're going to do is we're going to use Shane Hallam's seven round mock from NFL draftcountdown.com. I think it's just draftcountdown.com. Uh, we'll post the link to Shane's mock with the, um, 
with the post here on Twitter and in the description and all that for us. And we're going to draft these guys with actual landing spots. So I think this is always a fun exercise. I know uh, Ray and Jordan usually do these uh, for the wake-up show, and they're really cool to do. I've uh, participated in a couple. But it's cool to see, okay, this is where this guy lands. This is where I'm going to pick it. So I'm excited for this. How about you? Yeah, ready to get into it. Uh, We didn't decide how we're going to do the picks. Are we going to go one by one, or are we going to do like a a snake where we end up getting back to backs. What do you prefer? Um we can just go uh we can do snake. That's fine. All right, so oh, I'm man. going we're going one pick at a time or, or, know, going... or we'll just we'll actually we'll just do I'll get the I'll get the odds, you get the evens and then that way I'm always picking for team 1, you're always picking for team 2. That's fine. Okay. We'll, we'll All right. That way. Let's roll. I'm um, ready to roll. Yeah, so I'll post this link to this mock so you can guys can see where they land, but we'll also talk about where they land, uh, what round, and all that. So, um, Obviously, with the first pick, super flex, all that, man, I think I'm just going to go ahead and do I take... It's it's tough, and I'll, I'll just say this before we yeah. start. I picked this format for this exact reason. You have to think about the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You have to be honest with the tight ends Two tight end 1.75. Like you got to be honest with how you value the tight ends and understand if you've been in a league like this, you don't just go buy a tight end for a second. You know, anybody that has yeah. even a average tight end, usually you have to overpay to pry them away from them. Even if that player is not worth a first, you don't go just, Oh, I need a tight end there. Can I send you this two Oh nine for a tight end? You're like, nah, I'm good. I'll just hold on to them. And it, the point per carry means that there's running backs that even if they're not catching passes or whatever, you have to respect that a little bit too. So I think it, it creates value at all positions. So go ahead. Yeah. I think that last part you kind of sold me on. Cause I'm thinking I'm going to go with B John Robinson. He goes to the Atlanta Falcons at pick eight overall. And the way they use Cordero Patterson passing the ball to him, I think Bijan's going to do the same. They're going to run the ball. Obviously, um, Coach Arthur Smith has had big time success running the ball with Derrick Henry. I'm not saying that Bijan Robinson's going to be uh, Derrick Henry or anything like that, but I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, Bijan, number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons. All right. Well, that makes my pick pretty simple. Uh, I'm going to go with CJ Stroud, who ends up going 101 in this mock to the Panthers. I think right now he's the head and shoulders uh, favorite to be the 101 in the NFL draft and then QB1 in Dynasty drafts. So I will go CJ Stroud at 102. And in this mock, he goes 101 to the Panthers. So you are on the clock at three. So number three, I I mean, I like Bryce Young a lot, but I think in point per carry and going to this team specifically where they don't have anybody other than Gardner Minshew right now, I'm going to take number four overall, the Indianapolis Colts selected Anthony Richardson. And with that, I'm believing Anthony Richardson is going to play at some point this year, especially over Gardner Minshew. He's more talented than Minshew. Um, and then obviously with the point per carry involved too, I'm going to go with Richardson. 
Yeah, good point on the point per carry. So it's also point per carry for quarterbacks here. So for all positions. So I know I am in some leagues where it's just point per carry for running backs, but in this case, uh, we're doing point per carry for quarterbacks. So good pick. Um, I still think you have to take, especially in point per carry, it devalues the receivers just a slight bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go Bryce Young at 104. Here in the mock, he goes 102 to the Texans, which I think a lot of people expect it to be C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young as the first two picks. So as expected, Bryce Young to the Texans, pick 104. Now, if this wasn't point per carry, would you have taken Bryce Young over Richardson, or would you, do you still take Richardson over Young no matter what? Uh, honestly, I'm at the point now where I'm probably going to get equal exposure to both, but I would probably still lean Richardson. Okay. Uh, only because it's kind of like the argument we had earlier with Wandale Robinson. It's obviously on a very higher, much higher scale because it's a top five pick quarterback. Mm-hmm. But it's just, and Ray said this all along about Anthony Richardson, and I don't think a lot of people talk about it when they're talking about where to pick him in a rookie draft. You hear all of this about his completion percentage and how many starts he's had and all the things you hear about why he's a negative. The positive is if you're playing a stock market game like we are, if you're playing a portfolio game like we are, who is the guy that has the shortest window for people to go, oh my gosh, he needs to be on my roster? It's not Bryce Young. And I don't think we give that enough weight in Dynasty, especially if you're playing in like 10, 15, 20 leagues. Like I'm going to get a share or two of Bryce Young. I'm going to get a share or two of Anthony Richardson. But if you're having to pick between the two, I think the tiebreak has to go, you got to look at your league market. Is it, we do roster reviews on trades in five all the time. And people will, we ask for commentary. What is your league like? And if someone will straight up, just say, my league is boring. Nobody trades low activity. That's not the league where you necessarily go Anthony Richardson. Because part of his value is that somebody else might go, okay, after a certain game or a highlight in the preseason, I'll give you double what Anthony Richardson was worth. You know, maybe not that extreme, but you get my point. If the league's dead and you're going to be stuck with the guy you draft and part of the value you're getting is there's no like outlet trade value, I can lean where maybe you go Bryce Young in that league. But to answer your question, it's for me, if it's all things are tied, I'm still probably going Richardson. Okay. All right. So I am up again here. I'm debating between Levis or this other guy. And I think I'm going to go with the other guy. And that is uh, Jameer Gibbs. He goes 53rd overall in the second round to the Chicago Bears. So a point per carry and all that. I think Gibbs, I think I'll take him a little bit over Levis because I think Gibbs is going to still be a really special player in the league. He's definitely the best pass catching running back in the draft. If, you know, like you've talked about before, you know, if you're going to be a number one overall running back in fantasy or even top three, you got to be a pass catcher. So if I can get that kind of upside with Jameer Gibbs at some point in his career, I'm going to take it. So, yeah, I can't argue the Gibbs pick here because it is point per carry, even though it's a not 0.25 point per carry, it's a smaller amount. You're still getting the bonus points, which over a season adds up. And I know Gibbs is not expected to get like a ton of carries. But still, if he gets 150 carries, it's still extra points, you know? It's still an extra 20-some points that you're adding to your team. So I think you have to at least take the the tie break on the running back. I'm at the tough spot, honestly, right here, Mm -hmm. because I know the market on Levis 
isn't probably what you want, even though 14 teams super flex with point per carry. Like he's, if you're going to argue for Richardson, you kind of got to go, man, Levis is great value here in a 14 teamer. Right. And then I'm debating him versus JSN, who is like the next coming at wide receiver, and everybody loves wide receivers. But so this is a real shitty landing spot. Yeah, but that's assuming we what we know about the Ravens is what it yeah. was in the past. It's a total new offense. So I, I don't think the landing spot will really sway a ton of people, but it is, it is literally a coin flip here. This would be the spot where I would go, all right, if I can trade back to the 107, the problem with what people will do here is they will not stomach the fact that they shouldn't just take anything to trade back. They almost feel like if I don't take enough that I'm cheapening my market, but like, I honestly don't care who I get here. You know, like if I get stuck with JSN or actually, I don't even know who I'm going to get because I'm not sure what the team that if they trade up a spot from the one Oh seven to the one Oh six, I don't even know who they're going to take. I can look at their roster and go, man, they really need a quarterback. They're probably trying to trade up to get Will Levis. Then they take JSN. I've seen that all the time where how many times have you seen in rookie drafts where you look at a team, their quarterbacks suck. You think they're trying to trade up for a quarterback and then they just hit a receiver. I think for me here, it would be Levis. And you mentioned JSN. I think I'd go Kincaid in two tight end and he has Justin Herbert. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take Kincaid over Mayer though. That's why I'm not considering a tight end. I think that this is the point where value wise, these picks get really close together. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would take a tight end here when you're inside. I can't give up a JSN pick, even though you and I know the market really should value these picks very similar. Right. People are still attached to the name JSN. Right. And this is a really tough spot. So there's this is a preview to some of the drafts that we're going to be doing. I'm going to take Will Levis because it's 14 teams. Yeah. That That's no. going to be the default selection. But man, if I'm in that tier... I feel real good about like 106 to 110 right here, and I'm not really paying much to move around unless I just have a glaring need. Right. So, okay, so I'm thinking about this now. And I got, obviously, Kincaid and Mayer went in the first round. And then we have the three, actually four receivers went in the first round as well that we haven't taken. So I think I'm going to go with my favorite landing spot of the group there. And I think I'm going to take, well, yeah, I mean, Gerald Everett's still there too. I got to remember. And Donald Parham and Trey McKitty. Yeah. I mean, I Kincaid's better than those guys. Mayor still has to deal with Ferguson and Hendershot too. It's not as big of a obstacle as what Kincaid has. So yeah, maybe I kind of talked myself out of that. I think the best wide receiver landing spot was prob. I mean, shit, Zay Flowers too. That's cr- yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we'll talk to him when we get up to those guys. But yeah, I'll just go with JSN, and I think I don't love the landing spot, but I like the player. Like you said, the offense definitely can change, but I also know his name value is always going to be tradable. Like people are always going to want him because everybody loves him. So I think that's one of the reasons I'm going to go with him here. Yeah. And you and I have been in a lot of leagues like this that are two tight end point per carry. People will always take the perceived like wide receiver one higher than we would. Yeah. Because of the name. Now you have to, 
it's a fine line to where you have to respect the fact that, okay, someone else in the league doesn't necessarily understand the format and the scoring. They're just mm. going to take the name. And it, to them, unless Dalton Kincaid becomes TJ Hawkinson or better, they will never trade a good receiver for a tight end like that. Even if the format is like, dude, it's two tight ends. It's a 1.75 premium. Like TJ Hawkinson literally in that format is the only receiver is probably worth more than him is Chase and Jefferson, you know? Yeah. So but, but they'll never see eye to eye on that. It's just never going to align on values. And we forgot to mention, Will Levis went seventh overall to the Raiders, and JSN went 22nd overall to Baltimore. So that's yep. where those guys landed. I'm going to take Michael Mayer just because of the format. I, okay. I'm not too keen on taking Dalton Kincaid over Michael Mayer. I can't argue with the landing spot. Like I've seen him mocked a lot to Cincy too. Like if he goes to the Chargers or the Bengals, I think people are going to treat him as the tight end one, but I don't hate the Dallas landing spot. You know what we talked about earlier in the show with their efficiency, like I'm okay with him in Dallas. Is he going to absolutely crush? I don't know, but it feels a lot like a Pat Fryermuth or better type situation. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. And in this format, those are really hard to get. Like to get a Pat Fryermuth in a league like this, it's at least a first plus. Yeah. So it's almost like you're you're drafting a really really safe pick here, and I just feel like uh, Mayor is probably safer than Kincaid. Let's just say that. Right. All right. So next one up here for me. Man, this is tough too. Oh. I think I'm going to go with the wide receiver that I, I like quite a bit, and that's going to be Jordan Addison. And he went 29th overall to the Saints. Now, do the Saints actually own that pick, or was this a trade from his uh, mock? Do you remember? No, the that's that's the pick they got for Sean Payton. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's that's why I couldn't remember. So this is 29th overall to the Saints. Um, they got this pick um, from Denver for um, Sean Payton. And so I'm going to take Jordan Addison to the Saints. Pairs up with Chris Olave and Michael Thomas there for Derek Carr. So I like that uh, trio there. Man, this is a really intriguing mock because there's probably four players that I think people right. may value higher than another. I, so it, it's like a really, really flat tier. I mean, I, I'm surprised you went Addison over Zay Flowers to the Chiefs. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I was debating in my head, but I just went with the the player that I like better. But I can agree with you. Like, I wouldn't shock me if Flowers went where you took Michael Mayer. I mean, we've seen Kansas City players get pushed up. Sky oh, yeah, Moore, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, like anybody they draft, it's automatic. You know, they they're they're covered in gold now. But I think if you if you learn anything from the Chiefs, like they don't have to find a super stud receiver, you know? Like I think Flowers will be good, but I don't think you need to go, oh my gosh, he's he's a good receiver, but he goes on the Chiefs and they just elevate him up to a level where he's unstoppable. You know, I do think that landing spot will make him overvalued, but I'm gonna pass on him. I'm gonna take Kincaid because of the format. I'm okay with the receivers that are available. There's four or five more receivers that are going to be picked in the next round or half a round, and I'm fine with just going with the scarcity because I do think there's a big drop-off at tight end in this mock uh, with Kincaid and Michael Mayer because the next one doesn't go off the board until in the second, and then you know we'll see where that player goes. But I'll just take Kincaid here because people will like that Chargers spot. 
Yeah, we had three tight ends go in the second round. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely see where those guys go. I think here, I think I'm going to take the, the Kansas City player. I'm going to go 31st overall. Kansas City selects Zay Flowers, and I'm just going with the Mahomes connection there. And the other receiver that's still on the board from the first round, I don't really love the player, and we talked about it earlier. They literally signed 10 wide receivers this offseason, so I don't know how that's all going to shake out. But I'm going to go with Zay Flowers, 31st overall to Kansas City. Yep, and then I'll take Quentin Johnston, who is who you're speaking about with the Giants. He goes to the Giants at 25 here. I do think the Giants could take a receiver. It would probably look like Quentin Johnston and not Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba because of what we talked about earlier in the show. Still a first-round receiver, second receiver off the board, and you're getting them at 112. I, mm-hmm. It's one of those where you don't love it, but it's you'd rather you'd rather – take him and like here's a trade we talked about on trades in five the other day would you take jsn in this spot or jordan addison and zay flowers Mm. or quentin johnston and jordan addison or the, the point is is jsn worth two other first round receivers in this class i don't think so no i agree i think i'd take the two that's why you take Quentin Johnston here versus JSN going at the seventh spot. Like this is possible. You could have traded back knowing the JSN clout that he had and still mm-hmm. picked up Quentin Johnston and another player and been like, damn, I got a two for one that actually gives me two players with good capital. couple interesting picks here between the second and third round that I'm eyeing up here. But I think the one that is standing out to me right now with how they're going to play offense this year and that's going to be pick 58 overall. The Dallas Cowboys select Zach Charbonnet. And he's basically going to take that Zeke role and be the hammer. And he can definitely be a hammer, man. Just watching some of his highlights, he's fun to watch. So, yeah, give me Charbonnet to uh, Dallas. Yeah. I figured it'd be one of three that you went with there. That was one of the three. Yep. So using this mock, obviously, we're looking at landing spot and draft capital. And so this is a player that I think will go in this spot just because there's probably scarcity that's going to be involved. And I do think people are also going to view his landing spot as one he could be the starter, whether it's right away or at least halfway through the season, he's going to get a shot. And I think it's also a team because they play in the NFC that that actually is a team that I'm not sure is just automatically going to tank for a quarterback either. So I think this could be a no man's land team that he gets a chance to get a year and a half or, you know, whatever worth of starts before he's replaced if he's not good enough. So it's uh, Mm -hmm. the only quarterback Hendon hooker going to Washington at pick 47. That is my pick at 114. that closes out our first round and, Based on some of the mocks we've done, don't you think Hooker will go in this spot, if not higher, just because someone's going to need a freaking quarterback? Probably, yeah. And I, that's who I was going between with Charbonnet and Hooker here for, uh, especially being a 14-team league. I definitely think if Hooker gets second-round capital in a 14-team league, he's most likely going to go in the first round for sure. So, all right, guys. Well, before we get on to the second round, we are going to take a little break here and we'll see you on the other side of the break. 
Hey, Destination Devi listeners, Eric here of the America's Game podcast, and hopefully by now you've heard that Underdog Fantasy has partnered up with Destination Devi. You want to get in all of these year-long best ball contests and compete with Ray Garvin, Ike and Gene of the Off the Line Fantasy podcast, Adam and Mike of 4D Chess, and Scott Connor and myself at the America's Game Pod, well, now is your chance. If you sign up with the code America's Game, all one word, you will get a 100% deposit match up to $100 free by Underdog Fantasy. The best part of that, though, if you deposit at least $10, you will get access to the Destination Devi Discord for free. You'll get it for one full year, and now is the time to do it right before the NFL Draft and get all those goodies that are going on right now in the Destination Devi Discord. And right now, as we know, it is tax money season. Are you getting any money back? Why don't you take $100 and deposit it on Underdog Fantasy, and you'll get a free 100 from Underdog, and you'll get access to Destination Devi. There is no better deal going on right now than that. So use that promo code America's Game, once again, all one word, and sign up today. Now, back to the show. All right, so for round two of the mock here, I'm going to start it off um, back at the 201 spot. And just looking at a few of the landing spots here, there's some interesting ones. Man, do I want to go with a tight end that I like or a running back? You know, I'm going to kick myself if I don't do this. I'm going to take Kendra Miller. He goes 69th overall to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have talked about how Cam Akers, you know, they basically just sat him last year for a couple weeks there, sent him home. I don't think they like him as much, and I think, Taking Kendra Miller, who's easily a better player than Cam Akers is right now, especially after um, all of his injuries and off-field stuff that's gone on so far. And uh, the talent of Kendra Miller is just oozing. So I think Kendra Miller is going to be a perfect fit there. Uh, Give me Kendra Miller. It is point per carry. It is a 14-team league. And I know Eric loves Kendra Miller. Yeah, this is a little bit of a biased pick. (laughs) I struggle with that pick just based on, A, the number of running backs that are available, Mm -hmm. and B, the tight ends and a couple of them where they landed could also be really, really good. So I do think this is probably a little early for the format, Mm -hmm. but you never know. Like That's the point of this running back class is after the first two, I guess Charbonnet, if he gets this draft capital in this landing spot, is going to be a clear RB3. But after those... It's the wild, wild west at running back. So I, I, I know you have conviction on Ken Dre Miller, so you're mm-hmm. going to end up with a, at least a dozen shares in our leagues because you're going to take him ahead of everybody because everyone knows you like him. Yep. Well, I'm going to move down. I'm, I'm actually a little torn here. I was hoping you took one tight end because I'm going to have to take the other, but I'm going to have to pick now. Yeah, I was looking at those going to be my other picks was one of the tight ends. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's tough. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to take Sam Laporta over Luke Musgrave. Their draft capital was 9 picks apart, but I'm going to lead with Laporta going to Cincinnati at pick 60. Musgrave, I like Musgrave better. I think he has all the metrics that I would want. I said on a couple of shows ago when we did the tight end show, he's the one guy that you look at his profile and you're like, 
that's Dallas Goddard, that's Mark Andrews, but he doesn't have the production profile necessarily. And I think the landing spot here is a good tiebreaker. So he could go here. This is like a 50-50 coin pip. But I think Laporte and Cincy probably is on the field right away. Yeah. And I I do think people will see that as a better landing spot, and the draft capital is not much different. So pick 60 Sam Laporta to Cincinnati at pick 202. You are up. Yep, and I'm still looking at the tight ends possibly with this format. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the other tight end that you mentioned. That was Luke Musgrave. Uh, he went 51st overall to the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, it's you know another super athletic tight end. Hopefully, they know how to use him this time. And obviously, if they're taking him, McDaniel's gonna know how to use him and and want to use him. So yeah, give me Luke Musgrave in this uh, you know fast fast paced offense. I like that a lot. Can't argue with it. Probably the best value on the board, given it's 14 teams, two tight end, 1.75 premium. Tight ends are going to fly. I don't love this because of what we talked about earlier, uh, but you also said the guys in front of them aren't going to really matter much. They're not long-term plays, so I'm just going to go Darnell Washington, who was actually the third tight end off the board, pick mm-hmm. 38, and landed with the Las Vegas Raiders. So it's it. It's funny because remember when we did the original Royal Rumble mock and we laughed because we took Jarno Washington in the fourth and neither of us even wanted to. Yeah, and now he's now he had a combine catch and now he's the greatest thing ever. Well, it, there's still doubters on him, but now I do think in a format like this, put it this way, Darnell Washington in a 12-team, 1.5 tight end premium, start one, mm-hmm. zero shares. Wouldn't take him in the fourth. Right, because it's it's kind of a pick where you're going like this isn't appropriate for the format. So if there's going to be exposure, it's going to be in a league like this. So I I actually don't mind doing it with that logic. Right. Um. All right. So I am up here. And there's a couple spots I could go. I just want to check something on my uh, rankings really quick. Um. Yes, I did have him a spot higher. Okay. I'm going to go with my rankings then because I think uh, the spot is a little bit better. So I'm going to take at 84th overall, the Miami Dolphins take Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane, who I really like, over another running back that I was considering uh, that went higher than him. So I think I'm going to go with Spears because I like him better. And obviously Miami, it's a another very good offense. Yes, he's going to have to compete with Jeff Wilson and Mostert, but I think Tajay Spears is way more talented than both of those guys. He could easily be the uh, starting running back there. So give me Spears. So this is an interesting discussion because he got in this mock late third round draft capital. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like, are we to the point in drafts where you don't care about draft capital as much as you want to know what scheme and what team they went to? And that carries a lot more weight. Yeah, I think that always does for me. Uh, especially with the running backs. Yeah, this is feels like a little bit of a dead spot here where you're kind of like, if I have picks here, I'm just going to have to end up hitting running backs probably, or I'm just going to end up taking best player available. There's not really like an awesome strategy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. See, I struggled with some of the receivers. The receivers, there's three yeah. receivers that went in the top 10 of the second round. So draft capital-wise, you definitely should take those guys. But then I'm looking at this mock saying, this is actually what happened. Yeah. 
and it's point per carry. You know what? It's hard not to take a chain here going to Philly. I know that's a little frustrating. People aren't going to love that spot, but everyone for some reason would love Jameer Gibbs and Bijan if they went to Philly, yeah, or at least they, they would be okay the chain with there too. Why not like him? And I, I actually don't love it. I wish it would have been a different running back that went there, but mm. he's a second round pick. So I think it get yep. this spot in a point per carry. I'm good with it. That, and that's who I was going between was a chain and Spears. So that's why. And uh, obviously, uh, another thing I just wanted to quickly point out, this mock draft was done on the 20th. So I believe that was Monday or Tuesday, one of the days. Uh, yeah, Monday, the 20th. So obviously he didn't know, hey, the Panthers are going to sign Adam Thielen and uh, DJ Chark. So I think that kind of affects the draft spot there a little bit too, just kind of where everything landed. Um, but I, mean, I, I am up. I don't know if it. Well, we'll we'll talk when we get to that player. We'll yeah, see. yeah. Um. So I think from here, and there's no nobody that's really like standing out to me that's like a great value. So I think I'm gonna take the guy who got the draft capital and went to a a decent spot. He's gonna be with Bryce Young. So I'm gonna go 33rd overall. The Houston Texans select Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Yeah, that would have been the receiver that I would have taken. And early second round draft capital that could have been first round draft capital, but you know, there were some right. other receivers that went right at the end of the first. So you know what I find interesting is if would the Chiefs really pass on Zay Flowers and or uh pass on Jalen Hyatt to take Zay Flowers with that speed, since they love those speed receivers, that would be interesting. I don't really know. That's yeah. a that's one of those that easily could be flipped. Now, if that would have happened, uh, would you have taken Jalen Hyatt closer to where you took Zay Flowers, or would you still have gone down a little bit I, just because you like Zay Flowers more? I think I would have probably uh, take taken Hyatt in the same kind of spot. Flowers, like, would you have taken Johnston over Jalen Hyatt if Hyatt would go to the Chiefs? Um, no, I think I'd probably take Hyatt. Okay. So that that Chiefs landing spot holds I think, some weight, then, yeah. Yeah, just because it's just because it's Mahomes. Yep. Okay. Hmm. It's a really interesting spot. Yeah this this spot is. All right. You know what? I'm just going to take Cedric Tillman. Okay. Well, no. You know what? I'm not going to because I'm. I think he's probably a little too high in this mock, and it's a receiver. So I'm going to just go down and just take a running back. I'm probably going to lean. Man, it's like six running backs here. I'm literally trying to figure out which ones I like. The ones I like Mm -hmm. didn't get the draft capital or the landing spot. There's two that I really like, but they didn't go to the spots that I wanted. And there's two that I don't like. They got better draft capital. Sean Tucker early third. Do you do you think that even has a remote chance of happening? Uh I would probably lean 25% chance, yes. Probably 75% chance, no. I think he's probably mm. more of a fourth or fifth round guy, especially cuz he hasn't done much. Um and did he have a pro day yet? I don't remember. You know, he did his uh videotaped pro day. Oh, that's right. Okay. So not not really anything that that's what I mean. Like Ray talked about it on wake up the other day. Like what, what about Sean Tucker screams? He's going in the third round. Exactly. Yeah. 
So like there, that's why I'm sitting, I'm looking at this mock and I'm like, man, there's two running backs I love that are going in round four here, but can I really take a late fourth round running back over mm-hmm. a guy that went in the early third? I mean, he didn't just go in the third. He went in the early third. He went in the front top 12 picks of the third round. Right. Like that's different draft capital than going late fourth, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll use this. I will take Sean Tucker because he got the draft capital, and here's the other reason. I do think the other running backs that I'm mentioning people don't love as much, and I think we're okay. starting to get into a little game theory here, is if the name Sean Tucker does anything, this is the spot to get him because someone else will want him. Right. And that's that's the only justification. And it's point per carry. You can always justify taking a running back. So I'll just right. take Sean Tucker. He went pick 73 to the Texans. So the Cleveland pick. So I believe that's the 12th pick in the third round. And that's pretty good draft pretty, capital. That's RB5 off the board. So For sure. Yep. Um, we did have two more running backs go in round three. The one, one is, I mean, both are interesting. I think I'm going to go with the guy that I just like to take personally better on. And I think he's, he's got some just amazing explosion. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. And even though he went in the fourth round, he went in the high fourth round and that's chase Brown to the Arizona Cardinals at one Oh five. And obviously they only have James Conner on a one year deal there. And then it should be the chase Brown show. Obviously, um, you can't count on Connor to get, you know, 20 carries every single game. Brown's definitely going to be used um, this year as well. So once Connor gets out of the way, Chase Brown should be the guy there. So I'm going to go with Chase Brown from Illinois. Good pick. Was one of the ones I was talking about earlier that I would take. Uh, it's hard to take, you know, the Sean Tucker pick over him. If they would have flip-flopped, I think Sean Tucker – would have right. fallen and Chase Brown would have probably and gone. I, yeah, and I think the other, two, the other two running backs ahead of him that went are within 20 picks. So I don't think there's like too much of a difference. I think it's just preference at that point. Yep. I'm going to take Roshan Johnson went to the Bengals yep. at pick 92. I definitely think that's a guy that plays right away. Like he's the, he's got the P Ryan role at minimum right away and there's still a right. chance he could have more. So I think that's a good value here at a point per carry. Right. Um, and then I'm going to keep going the point per carry route here. I'm going to go ahead and take Tank Bigsby, the running back from Auburn. He goes 82nd overall in the third round to Tampa Bay. And he's just different than Rashad White and Chase Edmonds. He's the big banger. He's going to be that guy who should be able to get 10 to 15 carries uh, behind a really good offensive line, too. And they're probably going to have to run the ball more this year with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, whoever the quarterback is. So give me Tank Bigsby there. Good pick. Good pick. I'm going to say take the same logic I used on Sean Tucker, and I am going to go at 212. Uh-huh. I might surprise you a little bit. I'm going to go Zach Evans. Simply because he goes to the Chargers, they need a running back like Zach Evans, and I think it's it's almost like Isaiah Spiller from last year again, but a guy people actually like with hype. Mm-hmm. People will like Zach Evans if he went in this spot to the Chargers. You and I don't like Zach Evans, but yeah. someone will. So I think at this point, in a point per carry, 
if there's any format I'm taking guys like Zach Evans, it's point per carry, right? We've already seen the tape on right. Ray's breakdown. Like this isn't the guy you want in a PPR league, but 212 point per carry, I'll take him here. Went to the Chargers at pick 125, so mid-fourth round. Um, so I'm going to take the guy who went two picks after him. And I have this guy extremely high on my list. Like, yep. Very, very high on my list. And that is, uh, he went one twenty seventh overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that is Israel Abanacanda. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be better than Travis Etienne, but it wouldn't be shocking, shocking to me if he's close. I'll say that. I I would have him higher than Sean Tucker, higher than Chase Brown, higher than Roshan Johnson, higher than Tank Bigsby, and higher than Zach Evans. Maybe even higher than Devon Chain if he went in the third. But here he goes agree at the end of the that. fourth. If yep. he went in uh, Sean Tucker's draft capital spot, he he would be late Over first, it. early second round pick. Over a chain for me. Yep, hundred percent like, agree with that. Like he'd probably be right below Kendra, probably for you, right? Like he, him and Spears would be a little bit of a debate almost. Yeah, I think I think it'd be between Spears and the Band of Kanda for me. Yep. Okay. Well, like a draft that's typical with Eric and I. If you're going to draft with us in a point per carry, this is how our second round is going to go. We have taken in the second besides <laughs> besides the tight ends, we have taken nine running backs, including. <laughs> six straight and we still have three second round receivers on the board exactly and doesn't it feel like we've kind of just eaten up all the running backs that you would really prioritize right now yeah i think they're pretty much all gone there might be a couple that we still like but there there's a couple in here that we'll get to in the third that are their landing Mm -hmm. spots are interesting but i think this is probably the time and i don't love this pick the masses are gonna hate this pick but I do think it's decent value on Josh Downs going in the early second, getting him at 214. Yep. And he went 41st overall to the Tennessee Titans, so he's going to be a starter there for them for sure. Yep. And people will look back and go, man, how did I let him fall to the 214? But, dude, it's point per carry, and it's the – don't you think any receiver the Titans take, people are going to smash, they're going to crush, they're going to hate it? Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. So you just hope they don't take one in the first – and it's yeah. like JSN, you know, people are going to yeah. hate that. That will make it more fun. So we're done with round two. Uh, anything shock you about round two? Or is this kind of like what our point per carry drafts are going to look like? I think so. I think if we had, you know, other people in this draft, I think these some of these wide receivers would have went and some of the running backs would fall to round three personally. So that's kind of what I think. But I think just because it's me and you only doing it, a lot more running backs went than the wide receivers. So let me ask you this in best ball, even if it's point per carry, are you still taking these running backs, just hammering them, even though it's yeah. possible some of them fall to ranges where they're below the, the threshold, you know, like if they're not playing right away, they're zeros, which is the concern with taking running backs in best ball. But do you think you're still just taking these guys because they got decent draft capital? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I did the same thing last year and like you and your Jerome Ford, your Ty Chandler's, uh, Hassan Haskins, a lot of those guys didn't play that much, if at all, but I'm still holding them. So, But, I, but where's the line it. of if it's best ball, mm-hmm. you know, Josh Downs is probably okay for best ball too because it's best ball, right? Like where's yeah, the line sure. between, you know, RB 
11 Zach Evans versus a early second round receiver in best ball. Like you can kind of make the argument that best ball is where you would want to take the receivers, even though it's point per carry. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But so, and what I we did is whether this was best ball or not. So we can't just say yeah. it is now. Right. Right. And I, I, honestly, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I just haven't played the format enough, but I just, I just prefer the more talented players that I like better. You know, and that's usually the running back. So, and we'll say this is a lineup league too, because this is how we would draft yeah. a lineup league. We would we would basically say, man, if there's any risk the receiver I'm taking becomes a clogger, I'd rather just take the running back in point per carry. So you're up to right. start round three. Yeah, so I'm looking at it a little bit here. I think I'm gonna go. Man. Mm. I don't know if you'll snipe me on him. I think you. I don't think you will. So I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go at the top of the third round, 66th overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Rasheed Rice, uh, the wide receiver from SMU, goes. And this is me expecting. Okay, they're gonna trade Hopkins. Who else are they gonna have? So you know, obviously they got Hollywood Brown. Rondale Moore is more of like the slot type player. So I think it's Rasheed Rice could be um, you know a good outside threat there for Arizona. So I'm gonna go Rasheed Rice at the top of the third round there. Talk to me more about that pick because now we're getting into third round receivers and a point per carry, not best ball. That to me this kind of feels a little. David Bellish, Diami Brownish, like that kind of pick. It, it, mm-hmm. Does that process worry you at all? A little bit, yeah. But I think we've eaten up most of the running backs too. So, like, I think I if a lot, any of those running backs were still there, I would have gone there. Like the running backs left. There's one fourth round running back left, and then the rest are like the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round running backs. I'm not, I think a, a wide receiver at the top of the third round, I probably got to go there because he's definitely going to get a shot. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's probably one of those where if he does produce early because of his landing spot, then mm-hmm. I would bet against the profile. But I'm going to go 302. I thought you were going to take this guy. I'm going to take Tucker Craft, went to Jacksonville. I don't care about the landing spot. Obviously, people are going to say, oh, it's a bad landing spot. They have Evan Ingram. But, I mean, Evan Ingram's on another one-year deal. So, like, We'll see what happens with him going forward. But Tucker Craft had an elite RAS score. I know he's a small school guy. It's a little risky if you were burned in the past by the Adam Shaheens or the, you know, Adam Troutmans. But like he still got decent graph capital too tight end. If this guy even becomes Daniel Bellinger or someone like that, it's, I think, worth much more than draft or receiver. So I think he's a steal here at pick 88 to Jacksonville, end of the third round. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was actually looking at somebody else um, there, so I did. You didn't take him. I think I'm gonna roll the dice one more time and hope you don't take him. But I think here, round three, the 39th overall pick. I think we gotta just finally get him off the board here, and that's gonna be Cedric Tillman, uh, the wide receiver from Tennessee, goes 39th overall to the Carolina Panthers. And like I said, obviously this is before. You know, he knew Thielen and DJ Chark were going to sign there. Uh, but I still really like Tillman as a player. I just think the landing spot kind of sucks um, with what we know right now with Chark and Hooker or uh, Chark and Thielen being there. So I'm going to go with Tillman, though. 
you know what's interesting is just how biased we are when it comes to the names and the landing spots. Yeah. Because he goes 39th, right? So really good draft capital. Yep. He goes to a landing spot where two days ago people were talking about how their receivers are trash. Yep. And he's a tied to CJ Stroud, who, you know, hopefully he becomes a, an efficient passer. Yep. Yet he falls to the 303. Yeah. Yet T. Higgins goes and lands with Joe Burrow, and it's like, dude, I gotta get him. And it not crazy different draft capital, six spots yeah. different draft capital wise. I'm not comparing the two, but it's the point is that is the power of this is a receiver that I don't think a lot of people have going in the top 40 of the NFL draft. But if he does, you almost have to put him in the same tier as. Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt. Like, he's got to be in the top six or seven receivers, and you have to push down the guys that you liked more. Like, there's no way that really, you know, you can say that for sure Josh Downs is better than him. You know, that's a little bias on my part. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's probably um, maybe a blind spot for us, maybe something we need to think about and uh, for our drafts in the future. It's going to happen. Remember last year we thought George Pickens would go where a lot of the receivers ahead of him went, and it's like, wow, he fell to the end of the second. Yep. How the hell you take Tyquan Thornton over him? How you take uh, Wandale Robinson over him? What the hell are these teams doing, Eric? Uh, yeah, Hakeem Butler. Oh, he's gonna be uh he's gonna be awesome. Fourth round pick. Yeah. Uh Calvin Harmon, top five Debbie asset, goes undrafted. Mm-hmm. It happens. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the remaining wide receivers. Cause to me, they're we're almost in a lineup league. We're almost to roster clogger unless I think you there's like, one I still really like, but the rest I could probably do without. I mean, let's let's just talk about the name because I think we might be talking about the same name. Marvin Mims. Yeah, Marvin Mims to Denver. And will, probably will people fade the hell out of this landing spot though? They might, but they could also still trade Sutton or Judy. Like, that's still a possibility. And KJ Hamler just tore his pack. That's roster clogger. Drop him everywhere. I'm done with KJ Hamler. Uh, but I think Marvin Mims easily takes that KJ Hamler role. Yeah, I- I'm just curious how the masses would view this spot because I don't think people would like it because obviously they have Judy and Sutton and Tim Patrick and nobody's really excited about their passing offense. So it just feels like this would be, this would almost be KJ Hamler all over again where it's right. like they don't see this guy as an immediate contributor. He didn't quite get draft capital that just blows you away. And so I just don't want him and he falls to this point in the draft. So it's mm-hmm. interesting kind of how that would be viewed. Um, let's see. The process play here just says, look at running back and look at tight end and just hammer those and basically ignore everything else. Right. So I'm going to pass on Marvin Mims. Okay. There's not another receiver that I probably would draft in a lineup league that's remaining. Okay. Or to the gross tier, but I think I will take that running back you were talking about earlier that got fourth round capital. I'll take Kenny McIntosh. I do think you could justify he didn't land in a terrible spot in this mock. He's probably going to make the roster pretty easily here. Uh, Landed with the Giants. Yeah, 
there's definitely one running back I would take over him. So I'm a little curious that you did. Interesting. I'm wondering if it's going to be the one that uh, we're both looking at because I see where he landed. Is it that one? Yeah, it went in round five. Is it uh, one that people have fallen for the spot before? Yes. All right. Well, you can take him next because I think I'm torn between the two. I, I like that guy probably better than Kenny McIntosh, but mm-hmm. that was so that was after the combine. Right. Before the That's combine, actually, it would have clearly uh, been the other guy. So. That wasn't the guy I was going to take. The one guy that I have been mentioning is the guy who has tied – for the highest RAS score at tight end ever. And that's Zach Koontz going to New England. Ooh, I like, okay. I, I like um I like that spot. Um Koontz, Hunter Henry has just been very, very average. And I think in a in an offense that likes to use the tight ends quite a bit, no Johnny Smith there anymore either. I think Zach Koontz could have a nice little impact there for New England. So give me Zach Koontz. Uh, tight end from Old Dominion. He went 117th overall in round four to New England. All right. Good pick. Definitely got to look at just tight end in uh, running back at this point, probably given the format. I don't – well, we'll see. I'll leave it to Eric to decide if that happens. But I'm going to take Evan Hall, who went late fifth to the Chiefs, pick 166. Yep. He will be gone probably ahead of other running backs. If this actually happens, he will go ahead of Kenny McIntosh. He will go ahead of maybe even some of the guys that went in the fourth simply because he landed on the chiefs. And right now they don't really have a pass catching back if they don't count on Kyle Edwards, Alaire. So I think people would eat this up. Right. For sure. Um, my pick here, I'm going to go round three. He went 78th overall, and he's probably got a good shot to be the Green Bay Packers starting tight end, and that would be Luke Schoonmaker from tight end for Michigan, another good RAS score athlete. Um, just wasn't used in the passing game a ton at Michigan, but just all of his athletic ability, the way he does play, um, he could be an even better pro than he was in college. So give me Luke Schoonmaker uh, to Green Bay there. Interesting. So you still you're still not taking Marvin Mims, no? No, I think I would take um, I would take both tight ends and Evan Hull before um, before him. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going back to the running back. Well, uh, people would hate this spot, but you know what? I've heard good things about him, even though I haven't really been super excited about him. But he landed in San Fran. Any San Fran running back got fifth round draft capital. I'm stashing Jordan Mason and I'm stashing Tyrion Davis price everywhere. So I think in a point per carry, give me some Dwayne McBride. Yeah. It's a little interesting, man. Cause you just mentioned those two names plus McCaffrey plus Elijah Mitchell. They don't care, Not, man. They, they don't I, care. Oh, I know they don't care, but it's like, man, he's got a lot of obstacles to overcome, but Hey, if it, if it does work out, it's a good spot for sure. Um, it's not like I don't like McBride. I do like him. Um, so I could see that being, um, you know, th- th- San Francisco seems like they take a running back every single year. So it just wouldn't shock me. Uh, but yeah, good pick. I like it. No, this will be the, uh, this will be like the New England running backs last year. People yeah. like you should be taking them probably here, but people will, this will be one of the ones that fall a little bit. Like mm-hmm. there's no chance he goes back to back with Evan Hall. Yeah. Cause people are going to go, oh, Evan Hall chiefs. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne McBride, San Francisco, he's buried and they won't right. take him. And then all of a sudden, if he make, here's the thing. If he makes the team, 
you got a hell of a steal and a point per carry getting him at the, what is this? The three Oh eight. I mean, in the four, in a 14 teamer, that's the 36 pick. That's like the three twelve in a point per carry draft. If it was 12 team. Yeah. That's a smash. Yep. All right. So I am going to go here. Um, with another running back that went in the fifth round, and I actually really like this spot, which I'll explain. 139th overall to the Denver Broncos. They selected Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State. And who did Sean Payton have a lot of success with in his career? Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles. Same spot, same college, same – I mean, they're not same uh, weight or – anything like that, but they're both smaller backs. Both can do the same kind of thing, receiving the ball. I think if anybody could have some really big success uh, with a Deuce Vaughn-type player, it is Sean Payton in his creative offense. So give me Deuce Vaughn. I'll take the shot on him here in the late third. Um, this is actually this is the spot where I hope he actually lands in the NFL. Like I could see Sean Payton coveting this kind of guy. Um, so hopefully this actually does come to fruition. I would love that for Deuce Vaughn. Fair. I didn't actually expect you to take Deuce Vaughn, but it, he is a running back, and I guess there's there could be much worse landing spots. So I like it. I like it. I like your your talk through your justification as to why. Um, I'm gonna go Will Mallory just because he's a tight end and he has a good athletic profile, and that's it. And he went to the Raiders in early round five. Even though they took Darnell Washington earlier? I was going to say that. You know what this feels like? This feels like Jelani Woods, Andrew Ogletree last year. Okay. Now, do I, do I love the fact that he went to a spot where they took another tight end? No, but we already kind of talked shit about the Raiders tight ends earlier. So it could <laughs> end of the year, it could end up being Will Mallory and Darnell Washington. And then I have at least a, a Raz freak tight end in my profile. I mean, here there, there is only a couple more running backs I would draft and I'll probably be able to take those with the next couple picks. If not the type of players that go to waivers mm-hmm. and, but you could also see where some of these tight ends go to waivers too. And you and I are the ones that are going, man, can we trade for some fab? Can we trade for some fourth rounders so we right. can take the Raz tight ends and the, the running backs and point per carry. So will Mallory yep. that's three ten. So we each have two more picks. So this is where I'll take Marvin Mims. He went 67th overall in round early round three uh, to Denver. So I think he could easily be the slot receiver there uh, permanently if they do move on from Judy or Sutton. That opens him up for this year. So this might be a guy, um, you know, how we were talking about if Dallas takes a wide receiver this year in the actual draft and how that wide receiver might kind of be cooked for a year. And then the second year, once you know he can get into that starting job, I think that could happen to Mims, especially with Tim Patrick coming back too. Uh, so I think that could definitely happen to Mims this year. But I'll still take him. I still like the talent. All right, I will go Eric Gray, who went in round six to Baltimore. You know, people aren't going to love it. This feels a lot like Tyler Beatty last year, but I like Eric Gray in point per carry a lot more. And it's kind of like San Francisco. Like I like getting any running backs, the Ravens draft. They usually get them wrong, but I'll draft any ones that they add. So Eric Gray went pick 199. So middle of the sixth round, didn't get the draft cap. Eric Gray is a guy that if he would have gone in the fourth, we would have had him up like a round higher than this probably. But he's a six round pick. So he basically is just a body. So I'll go Eric Gray went to the Ravens at pick 199. Okay. Um, 
Do it. It's a 14-teamer, Eric. <laughs> Do it. Mm. Round seven. <laughs> and he went to your team, too, like you called. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, No, I mean, honestly, I would never take a round seven quarterback. I'll just pick him up off of waivers if that ever happens. That's true. He honest. would fall to waivers in every league, probably. Especially yeah, so... you and I would like Cincy, but like... Mm-hmm. People would look at Cincy as he has absolutely zero chance of ever playing. So he's literally yeah. a waste. So I'm going to take this guy just based off of talent. And hopefully he gets it together. And he goes to a, a decent landing spot because they really don't have too much um, in front of him other than um, Cooper Cup. And that would be round six. Los Angeles Rams take Kayshawn Boutte uh, from LSU. So it's basically just a Justin Ross type pick, but at least this guy got draft capital. He actually got drafted. He's got a lot of um, upside still. Hopefully, you know, he gets it together in L.A. You know, he's going to have Stafford throwing him the ball. I'll just take the – I think he's got the most upside of any player that's available for me right now. So I'll go Butte. Yeah, and the names that come to mind are Justin Ross, Tamari and Terry, Antonio Gandy Golden, Hakeem Butler, you already mentioned earlier. Like if he goes in, it's gonna be very interesting if he goes in round six because there will be so many people taking victory laps, but there will be people that go, Oh my gosh, the NFL screwed it up. There's no way he could be this bad, and they'll right. still take him in round two. Yep. So that's uh very interesting with uh Shane basically burying him in this mock. Yeah. Would you agree with me that he has the most upside of any player that's available left? Um, true upside for a lineup league where not just upside in terms of how he could play, but in terms of like, if he does anything, someone would like him. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like I think that's the, I don't even care where he lands and I don't care about his draft capital. His name alone is worth putting on your team. I mean, people were giving up thirds for Justin Ross last year when he didn't get drafted, got flagged that this guy may not even be able to play, and he just signs to the Chiefs practice squad, and people give up a third. Not even give up a third. They were drafting him in the third. I've even, I think I even saw him like 211, 212 in some leagues. Right. But my point is that's all it took <laughs> yeah. for people to actually want him. There's players that didn't get drafted. We'll probably talk about those like for the last five minutes of the show that people don't want. So even though draft capital is good, people are going to go, I don't like that guy. He stinks. So give me that sixth round Kayshawn Boutte. And when you're this far down in the draft, what are you probably looking to do with that Kayshawn Boutte if he has a good game or he flashes in the preseason? Sell, right? Yeah, upsell for a second. Give me a second for him. Or two-thirds or a- anything that you Right. And what are you probably going to be able to sell off of? The name, right? Yep, the name. Yep. There's there's guys that got drafted two or three rounds higher that nobody cares what they do. No one's going to be like, I got to draft this guy, you know? And one guy we'll probably even talk about is still there sitting in the second round, and he went to a really good offense, and we still haven't taken him. <laughs> yep. And you know what? I'm not going to take him for that exact reason because there's someone else I want to talk about. Okay. But you know, you could justifiably say that is that's it, uh, the Bengals seventh round pick. It is not. Ugh. It is not. It is a sixth rounder. Ooh. 
It is pick 216. It is Elijah Higgins going to San Francisco uh, with the anticipation that he is moving to tight end in a two tight end league. Yep. And I could see them doing that kind of a move. That's because they did it with Jawan Jennings. I mean, they moved him from tight end the receiver, basically. Well, no, Jawan Jennings stayed at receiver. Jawan Johnson. Oh, Jawan Johnson. End. Okay, that's, that's right. Okay, I mixed. But I, I think Elijah Higgins will be a tight end in the NFL. If you adjust his RAS score, it's really good. You can do the RAS adjustment, and he has a really good RAS score. He's he's literally Chiggy Okonkwo. I posted that in the Heisman chat the other day. Yeah, he's Akonkwo. this draft. He's this draft. Jacob Harris. But better profiles than those guys. Better yeah. score than Chiggy. So he didn't get the draft capital. You know, Chiggy went higher. But I think people are also going to look at this landing spot and go, ah, eh, sixth rounder. Went to San Francisco. They have George Kittle. But listen, if you draft a guy like Elijah Higgins, that is a Red year or two down year, year yeah. or two down the road pick. That's not a he's going to produce for me this year, but it's too tight end. And this is where I would yeah. pick him up rather than have to spend all my waiver dollars. So Yep. We're done. You want to go one or two more picks just to cater, or do you want to just talk about the guys that didn't get drafted? Because let's let's go. Uh, let's just talk about the guys that didn't get drafted. Let's yeah, start. Yeah, we'll just talk about the guys that didn't get drafted. Yeah. Round two. Are you shocked that he didn't get picked? No, because I don't know if I really like him that much. And that was fifty uh, ninth overall. The Buffalo Bills took wide receiver Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. And just how crazy is it that me and you? or in any of these drafts, we didn't take a second-round wide receiver. A lot of people would call that bad process. Yeah, I bet you will get probably so. comments that that was bad process, even if you don't like them. A second-round yeah. receiver versus some of these, you know, we're taking fifth and sixth rounders. Like, yeah. like I think people will look at – it's funny because I think people can look at Tyler Scott round two to Buffalo. Yeah. Good draft capital, great landing spot, right? Yep. Versus Kayshawn Boutte round six to the Rams, who everyone thinks is gonna are gonna be absolutely god awful. Yep. You still went Kayshawn Boutte. And that is the biggest message of this show is that projecting the player at that point is meaningless. What you're looking to do with these picks is a very specific like stock market approach. Who are you gonna be able to sell if there's any sort of buzz or excitement? It's not Tyler Scott. Right. There you go. Um, all right, so two more guys in round three didn't go, so that was A.T. Perry. Went 76 overall to the Patriots. I mean, it is a wide receiver to the Patriots, so I guess we're both a little scared of that, but he could be um, you know, a starter for them, so that's another one that could still possibly be a, a good player that we could have picked. Um, 87th overall, the Vikings took Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver from West Virginia. I honestly haven't seen him too high in, in mocks. I know Shane has had him high in his mocks, so maybe he knows something better than I did. I know he had um, a decent combine. He was pretty fast. But I think that's kind of what all he would be is a, a fast wide receiver. I'll say this. I've looked him a little more into uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, and I think there's a chance he can move to tight end. He could be one of those projects. Now, you probably can get him on waivers, mm. but He's he's kind of got that sneaky profile of like he's six three and a half, two hundred and twenty four pounds. Like he's big enough, but also athletic enough that if he went that route, he would be intriguing. And obviously, this is the Jacob Harris. This pick, right? It's almost Jacob Harris all over again. It's the exact type of pick, same draft round, and then or actually earlier draft round because Jacob Harris was a fourth round pick. But this is the this year's Jacob Harris. So 
-hmm. You can look back and say that was a bad pick, but we like Jacob Harris. And then he literally shredded everything in his knee. So it's not really fair to say he was a bad pick. He just was a guy you probably had to wait a couple years on. So I don't hate it, but I think there's a chance he could go to tight end. Yep. Uh, round four, I'm just going to highlight a couple names um, that people would know. Atlanta Falcons, 110, Trey Palmer from Nebraska. 111, the Cleveland Browns took Rakeem Jarrett, wide receiver from Maryland. 119, the Vikings took Jake Hayner. He would be the fifth quarterback off of the board, I believe, um, to Minnesota. That could be an interesting spot with um, maybe Cousins not being on the roster next year. And then the last pick of the fourth round, um, offensive player-wise at least, was 129. Dallas Cowboys took Stetson Bennett, quarterback from Georgia. Any uh, Anyone you want to highlight there? Well, I was going to ask your opinion. In a 14-teamer, do you think people would snag Jake Hayner and Stetson Bennett in the end yes. of these picks instead of taking yeah. the, the shitty tight ends that we like? Yeah, I think, in, um, I think if this would have went around four, I think both of those guys definitely would have went. I mean, do you think people would have taken him in round three just because of the quarterback it's, scarcity? It's possible. Like if if the Kirk Cousins owner maybe was, you know, a little thin at quarterback and they're like, oh, hell, I'll take Jake Hayner or Dallas Cowboys uh, owner Dak Prescott, you know, wants to go with Stetson Bennett. They could do that. I, that wouldn't shock me. Okay. Yeah, those are the ones that stuck out because I do think other people, you and I would be like, we don't really want quarterbacks like that, but other right. people would probably take them and they just sit on their roster. Right. Um, round five, couple guys to highlight. 136th overall, the Chicago Bears. Probably the first pick of the fifth round uh, was Charlie Jones, wide receiver from Purdue. A lot of people like, so that was an interesting one. Uh, 149, the Packers took Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver, Mississippi. Uh, 151, the Seattle Seahawks took Tanner McKee, quarterback from Stanford. Uh, Michael Wilson, 154 overall to the Seattle Seahawks. I like that pick. 156, the Chargers took Jaden Reed, wide receiver, Michigan State. Another good pick. Kind of would be a little bit buried there, but still like the pick there. Uh, Cameron Latu, tight end, Alabama, went to San Francisco. So that would be interesting if um, they took Latu and they took Elijah Higgins, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, Those two might be competing for the same kind of spot. Um, and then 170, the Packers took Dorian Thompson-Robinson, quarterback UCLA. I'm not really big on Thompson-Robinson. I don't think I think he's kind of um, uh, who was the Miami quarterback that came out like two years ago. Uh, Real athletic guy. Miami quarterback. He, 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 Miami of uh, the U. He was like. Uh, Oh, I, 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 his name's escaping, but he's the yeah. he's the guy that transferred from Houston, right? Yes, I forget his name too. Yeah, um, but we'll yeah, he's like kind of yeah, he's like kind of like those types for me. So Derek I'm King, not, yeah, Derek King, that was it. Um, I just think he might have to end up like he could definitely play quarterback a little bit, but he might have to play some wide receiver too. I'm thinking. Um, and then Tampa Bay, 175, took Tank Dell, wide receiver from Houston. So that would be uh, an interesting spot. Seems like Tampa Bay always kind of takes those guys. They took uh, Jaden, uh, was it, uh, I can't Jayden think of his Mickens. name. Yeah, Jaden Mickens. Um, they've taken a couple wide receivers and that's kind of spot. They took uh, Jalen Darden, too. That's another Jalen Darden, that's it, yeah. Um, that was the one I was thinking of. So that's kind of like the same mold. But anybody there in round five? Yeah, I mean, Josh Wiley, 
to the commanders. Wiley, yep. I mean, that's a that's a nine three Raz score guy that really didn't produce much in college. But then you look at his offense and you go, he he was just a guy in college. But that would be one I'd be interested in this format because I mean he went in the top one fifty. It yep. is a two tight end league. I'd be interested in that one. It's funny that I know Shane is a really, really good resource and he understands like the life cycle of all this stuff. But did you notice he just absolutely buries the senior bowl receivers, Jaden Reed, Michael Wilson, tank Dell. Like we get so excited about those guys. And then he does a mock draft and they're like, take three receivers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think a lot of people would probably say tank Dell is going to go before here, but I think that just shows you the power of like that. The reason you don't take those type of guys, no matter how good they look at the senior bowl, it's like if they're there at the senior bowl in what is called a bad receiver class, like, they're almost guaranteed to be roster cloggers. You know what I mean? So it's like best right. ball, you know, that that's the only place you'd want them. And even here, like this yeah. format, we're not even wanting to take them. So there's some others that went in round seven. Like, uh, I think you and I would be, you and I would be picking up the generic princes, Chris Rodriguez's Mohammed Ibrahim's. We'd be picking up those guys just cause they got drafted and it's point per carry, you know? Yep. Yep. That's who we're fighting over on waivers. Probably. Yep. Um, round six, I'll just kind of mention some some of the big names. Jaron Hall went to the Lions, uh, 183 overall. Jaguars took Parker Washington, wide receiver, Penn State. Um, Max Duggan, quarterback, TCU, went to the Rams, so he'd be like a little project quarterback for them. Um, Bretton Strange, is that tight end Penn State? I don't remember if that was – I don't think that was the one that had a bad rascal. I think he did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dakota Allen, tight end, Eastern Kentucky, went to Buffalo. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, wide receiver, goes to New England. And one that I really do like, I watched his tape, and I think he's going to be interesting too. Tyon Evans, uh, running back Louisville, went to Arizona. So that's going to be another guy I'm going to keep my eye on. He's probably going to be a late sixth or seventh round to undrafted guy, um, but I, I am a little bit interested in him. Yeah, I mean, this range is fourth round UDFA uh, running backs and rookie drafts that you and I will fight over. This is the the Jalen Warren range from last year, you know, where Jordan Mason, Jalen Warren, and this year's class is even better. So there's more of them, but you and I value these picks. That's why any running back on a 53, we still like our fourth rounders because, you know, what are the odds any of these sixth or seventh round running backs are going to be anything probably pretty low, but you know what, that if they're you, if a draft pick is used on them, in this format, 14 team point per carry where you have a bunch of extra roster spots like that. That's what my bench is going to look like. These guys. Yep. yep. How high did like uh, a round six or seven Cornell Powell went, you know, a couple years ago in our dress, he was like a round three auto pick. Well, and he went to, like just to Kansas city. But to your point though, in a lot of leagues that we're in, people would be taking Trey Palmer, Rakeem Jarrett, A.T. Yeah. Perry, Charlie Jones. like People would take those receivers because they know the names. Jane Reed, Michael Wilson, like Parker Washington. like People would take those guys. Yeah. You and I have no interest in any of those guys. I, You do on waivers. I don't even pick those guys up off waivers. Right. This is how no, you well, ended up with all the... Yeah, but this is how you ended up with all the Danny Grays and the Eric Ezekonmas, you know? And it's like, dude, yeah. what are you, what's your plan with those guys besides cut them a year later? 
yeah, I was just kind of, I liked their talent and was just kind of seeing if something happened in preseason, you know, these Victor Cruises come out of nowhere, you know, and make the teams. Uh, I I was kind of hoping the same thing with Marquez Stevenson, but he ended up just getting hurt and never was any, you know, didn't make the impact. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So then round seven, just going to name off the big ones here. One that would, if we kept going, this probably would have been my first pick of the uh, fourth round. Daneric Prince, running back Tulsa, went to the Eagles. Um, he had the highest speed score of any running back over B. John Robinson, over Jameer Gibbs um, at the Combine. So I'm very intrigued by him. I haven't watched his stuff yet, um, but I'm going to here soon. I'm really excited to watch him. Keaton Mitchell, uh, running back East Carolina, went to Indianapolis. He's just a a very small 170-pound running back that's probably just going to be a return guy and maybe a guy who could get like four or five touches on offense. Nothing special, um, but he has like 4'3 electric speed. Mohamed Ibrahim uh, to Seattle. This this just like seems like a lock pick, doesn't it? This is like seems like a Pete Carroll kind of guy um, that he would take. So that would be an interesting one. The Giants take Chris Rodriguez, uh, the running back from Kentucky. The Bengals take my guy Aiden O'Connell for a quarterback. I think he'll be um, gone a lot higher than that. Um, and then the last one, <laughs> Chicago Bears, Puka Nakua, wide receiver, BYU. Uh, yeah, go ahead with your laughter. You had to throw it that you thought Gabe O'Connell is going to go higher than the seventh in here, even though Shane Hallam does these mocks every month and he's very plugged in. And it, mm-hmm. Eric just can't accept the fact that Aiden O'Connell's not going in the third or fourth round. Yep, and when when it comes draft night, we'll we'll see. You know, on that. Well, uh, what's five. your official Aiden O'Connell draft round prediction? You're going to put it on the show. What round? Third. Does he go ahead of Stetson Bennett or Jake Hayner? I think he'll go ahead of Hayner. Bennett, probably not. I think Bennett will probably go ahead. I'm going to say he goes in the fourth round. Okay. You know, once upon a time, C.J. Beathard went in the third. Yep. And that's an Iowa quarterback. Have they ever had a good quarterback? No, not even Ricky Stanzi. Or, or was it Drew Tate? Yeah. Definitely not going to be Spencer Petras. Maybe it's Cade McNamara, though. Yeah, anyway, we're going off tangent. But now that'll be interesting to see. Uh, so what, fourth round for O'Connell? Yeah, I think fourth round probably ends up with the Bengals. Probably. That would be the one uh, unredeeming quality about him is I won't be able to give Eric shit because I'll have to root for him. Well, I don't. Yeah. I hope he never plays, but you know, I, I do think the Bengals need a better backup quarterback. So I would. When Kimo von Olenhoffen's kid comes into the league and plays defensive end for the Steelers, dives at <laughs> Joe's knee. All right, time to go into America's favorite game because that would not be a ver- America's favorite sight if that happened. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So this one I came up with the other day because I was. Uh, I ended up watching the Creed movies, and I went to see the new one, which is pretty good as well. So this is going to be a boxing-related question. Who is your favorite boxer of all time? Favorite boxer? Man. I have th- three that I've grown up liking, so I can I can go first if you want me to. Is one of them Jake Paul? No. Uh, my first one was when I was a kid. Um, 
obviously my parents and all that, they would always buy these, the pay-per-views, these $60 pay-per-views, but it was Mike Tyson. How could you not like Mike Tyson and just how, just how big of a star he was. And then he got into, uh, wrestling there for a little bit, um, with the WWE with Stone Cold and DX and Shawn Michaels and all that. So obviously that was like right in the heyday of me like in wrestling. And um, obviously his boxing matches were just a, a big must-see event. Um, you know, your your uh, your mom and dad would go over to somebody's house and, oh, we got to bring the kid with us. So you'd sit there and watch a Mike Tyson fight till midnight or whatever. And then he knocked the guy out in 60 seconds. Um, so Mike Tyson. Then when I started actually like, I actually liked the sport a lot and, you know, just from watching those. And then I'd watch the, um, on HBO every Saturday night, they'd have a HBO boxing after dark and they'd always have, you know, great boxing matches on every Saturday night. Um, and so I get more into it there. Uh, but Oscar De La Hoya was definitely one of my favorites as a kid, you know, just great boxer. He wasn't like, um, I mean, he was obviously a champion at, at times, but he he wasn't the best. There was a couple other guys that were a little bit better than him, but um, but always liked Oscar De La Hoya. He was one of my favorites as a kid, and then as I grew up a little bit more, uh, this is kind of when boxing um, went down a little bit. It was like kind of after Tyson and Holyfield left and Lennox Lewis left. Um, you know, boxing kind of went down after that. It was like the Klitschko brothers were you know the the stars there at the time, but. Um, in the lower divisions, it was Floyd Mayweather. I know a lot of people hate Floyd Mayweather because he talks all that crap and uh, just so arrogant and all that. But, man, that dude is one hell of a boxer. Like, I know he's not, like, the going to knock you out every single time, but he's, like, the best defensive boxer I've ever seen in my life. Like, just the way he can move. His hands are so damn quick. Um, and he's obviously undefeated. No one's ever beat him. So... I, I, I respect Floyd Mayweather. I like those guys. You know, they talk crap, but they also back it up. Um, and that's always been a Mayweather thing, even though, you know, a lot of people think he's uh, an ass or whatever. But, yeah, those are my three favorites. Yeah, I agree with everything you said about um, we always used to watch boxing when I was a kid. Like, I was a kid, you know, in the 80s and, and 90s. I would always watch boxing just because it was like a spectacle, you know, like it was once every couple months or a couple times a year, you would get a big fight. And there was always like the allure of, you know, the HBO uh, theme music. And it, it, yeah. it was, it was, a, it was fun. And so I go back and if I told you that this boxer only lost once in his entire career and was quote unquote, I won't say dominant, but basically unbeatable slash dominant from 1991 to 1995. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? I believe he was a four-time world champion and was near dominant from 91 to 95 heavyweight. Heavyweight, and yeah, I'm thinking of lower weight guys. No, I don't know anybody off the top of my head. So he only lost once in his You're entire not tell career. Me like Butterbean, right? No, no. <laughs> okay. He and you probably know the name. And he's if you look at the, every once in a while, I go down old boxing rabbit holes and just start watching YouTube videos and reading articles about you know people's perception on you know the golden era of boxing. You know, from like the seventies to the nineties, because that's when like it right. was a huge deal. You know, it's not the same now because there's so much interference and stuff, but. 
uh, this guy's always on the list of like the, the 10 most underrated or overrated slash like enigmatic boxers of all time, because he literally could have been the best heavyweight that we've seen since, you know, the seventies. Right. But because his accolades line up with it, his record, his title defenses. But then you look at what he actually did in his career and you go, there's no way I can even put him like in the top five of his era. Mm-hmm. Riddick bow. Okay. You remember Riddick bow? Yep. Yeah. I've heard the name. So Riddick bow fought during the same time. I mean, he fought during basically the golden era, Mike Tyson, Lennox yeah, Lewis, Holy, Evander Holyfield, George yep. Foreman, Riddick bow, like Riddick bow was four time champion. But here's the thing. His only loss was to Evander Holyfield in 1993 when he was the champ and Evander. I mean, that that was during the Tyson was out of commission mm-hmm. and there were still entertaining fights. I mean, you had Evander yeah. Holyfield, you had Riddick Bow, you had, uh, you know, Michael Moore beating uh, Evander Holyfield and then George Foreman beating Michael Moore. Like I that those were great, even yeah. though Tyson wasn't around. Uh, but Riddick Bow, his only loss was to Evander Holyfield. He actually beat Evander Holyfield twice as well. So he yeah. fought Evander Holyfield three times. They had a pretty epic and underrated rivalry. Yeah. But Riddick Bowe, despite only going 43-1 and one and being four-time champ, he never fought Lennox Lewis. He never fought George Foreman. He never fought Mike Tyson. And so that's one of those where it's like, dude, he overlapped with all of those guys. Like, how did he never fight him? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... It's just it's just weird to have a guy that you're you're putting on the list as one of the most accomplished heavyweights in an era with those guys. He fought Evander Holyfield three times, but he never fought the other three. Right. So it just it goes down as one of those like I always I liked him because when Tyson was gone, that was who I rooted for. Yeah, and he's just kind of like disappeared. Yeah. So it's a cool story if anybody's interested. Uh, the Riddick Bow story is. Uh, Kind of cool. Like he actually ended his career after he lost to Evander Holyfield. He never lost again, but he just faded away. So, and he he beat, uh, he fought, you remember Andrew Galata? Yep, I, I remember the name. So, the name Andrew Galata was a huge guy. I believe he was from either the Ukraine or Poland. I'm not sure for sure, but he fought Andrew Galata twice near the back end of his career. And those are just, those were just wars. Yeah. And he just, he won both. But he just he just disappeared. So any boxing yep. fans that ever want to talk boxing or Riddick Bow, like that's uh, <laughs> that 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 that's a fun one that I always liked when I was a kid. And then he just kind of disappears. And you look back now because it's been hell, it's been twenty five years. Like, yeah. how do people view him? And most people are just like, yeah, he was overrated. He never fought anybody. Yeah. So, but there's and- stories about why he didn't fight Lennox Lewis, why he didn't fight Mike Tyson, like. Why didn't you line those fights up? Like you talk about the fight, the fights we got were good. You know, the Tyson Lennox Lewis, the Holyfield Lewis, you know, the, the Tyson Holyfield, like those were all great, but man, if we could have thrown Riddick bow in the mix, it would have been even better. I'm just thinking of um, some other names that came off the top of my head here, but obviously sugar Ray Robinson versus Marvin Hagler, those epic fights, Um, sugar, Shane Mosley, Roy Jones, Jr., those are some of the guys I grew up watching with, you know, against De La Hoya and all those guys. And then obviously later on there was Manny Pacquiao was, is really good. 
you know, there's just so many guys. And then the other couple, two things I wanted to mention first, obviously another big influence uh, was the Rocky movies. And I'm sure you're the same, like all, all the Rocky movies. I watched the Creed movies, um, all that stuff. So obviously that was a big influence of why I liked boxing too. And then lastly, do you remember, I think it was like probably around the time, like, ESPN was trying some things with TV shows and they were do you know, they did the, um, the football show. I forget what the name of it off the top of my head is, um, that they pissed off the NFL. Um, they had the, uh, the poker show as well that we watched. Mm-hmm. Do you remember they did the contender on ESPN oh, yeah. as well with Sugar Ray Robinson? Sugar Ray Leonard. Those co- early contender seasons were fun. Right. Yeah. Sugar. Yeah. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, I wish I wish they would still do that. Like I think they did like maybe two or three seasons of that, and I always watched those. Those were those were freaking cool. So I wish they those would come back. Um, those were pretty cool. Yep, I remember watching the early Contender. Those were good. The first the first season or two of Contender was yeah. pretty fun. Yep. Yeah, I love those. So, no, nah, good stuff, man. You still watch boxing? Will you still go okay. if there's a big fight? Like I've I've gone and watched the Fury Wilder fights, and I'll go watch like when Wilder fights or when Fury fights. I'll still go watch those. But normally I go to the uh, like I go to the movie theater and watch it because you can yeah. get in for like twenty bucks and you can watch it with and it's a nice screen and a nice place to watch it. But I still try to watch when I can. Yeah, I haven't gotten into them as much lately just because I don't. Um, I don't really know too many of the guys or anything like I, I haven't seen a fury fight i w- if it was floyd mayweather i would um I, that's probably the last one that i did get was the uh mayweather pacquiao fight whatever the whatever the last one was um i did get did buy a couple other uh mayweather fights that he did have um i forget the names off the top of my head but he beat up a couple guys there towards the end of his career um i don't remember if i watched the mayweather and uh you watch the Mayweather Conor McGregor fight because all the yeah, any Mayweather fight of. now is it's just a gimmick. Yeah, I think I think that was the one was the Mayweather McGregor one. Yeah, but Mayweather has so much money and and all that like he don't need to do it anymore and he doesn't need to prove anything either. He's he's definitely for his weight and all that. He's one, definitely one of the best boxers of all time, no matter what anybody says. Yep, agree. So, but all right then. Good stuff here. Um, we went a little bit longer than we expected, but I think it was a lot of fun. It was good, actionable stuff, uh, especially with the mock. And then we, you know, we went a little long on the free agent talk, but that's just what we do. Hey, it's not America's game; it's America's marathon. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're exactly right, man. So, all right. Well, until next week, guys. Um, I am at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter. And you can also follow the show at America's Game Pod as well. Make sure you guys give us a follow uh, on both of those accounts. Make sure you follow follow Scott's account at Charles Chill FFB as well. And then might as well just end it for us, Scott. What do you got coming up on uh, Destination Dynasty this uh, month coming Monday? It'll probably be a similar show to last week. It won't be those five leverage trades, but it'll be something like that. Something organic that you can take away and try in your leagues. It's not a dead period right now, but we still have like a month before the draft. So I think people are starting to refocus on their leagues now and prep for the rookie drafts. You know, they have a pretty solid value on what they view picks as now. So it's just going to be some variation of that, uh, some trade psychology and strategy uh, for this week's show. All right, cool. All right. Until next week, guys, we will see you uh, for episode 38 next week. 